0: All right, Jimmy, when will Bex arrive for today's broadcast? Soon, you guess? How are you getting her here? She's getting herself here? Okay, then. I'm going to have to work to keep myself professional after her last visit, Mothrianity. You know, I talked with the Shobajin, and while they're happy Beck shares their belief in Mothra now, they told me Mothrianity isn't exactly like the religion of Infant Island. <laughs> it is weird. In fact, Jimmy! Behind you! It's Gauru Gauru! Uh, what? He landed in front of you. Hold on. That's not Belvira riding him. It's Bex!
1: Woohoo! That was amazing! Thank you so much for letting me ride Garu Garu all the way back to Monster Island. When he showed up, I was so excited to see him. It's exactly what I've always dreamed of.
0: I'm glad you're here, but why are you only 12 centimeters tall?
1: Well, you may remember from last time how Jimmy's teleporter calibrations were a little off. Well, it seems they were a lot off. I've had to stay home, stay safe ever since I got back. I can't go out in public like this and risk an international incident.
0: Yeah, the last thing we need is for people to think there's a shrinking virus going around.
1: This has truly been the best day of my life. On my way here, I did have to stop and do a little exploring on a remote island. While I was there, I found this crystal. Isn't it beautiful?
0: It is. I'm not sure if it looks like a hunk of dilithium or kryptonite. The board may want to send a team to investigate that island.
1: So, as a thank you for inviting me onto your show, and for allowing me to go on this amazing adventure, I want you to have this crystal. Oh,
0: well, thanks, Bex.
1: Okay, Jimmy. It sure was fun being 12 centimeters tall and all, but I know I can't stay this way forever. Tim has been a little concerned, and I need to get back to work anyhow.
0: Good. The last thing we need is a fourth Alaya, sister. Live from Ogasawara, this is the Monster Island Film Vault, episode 20, Bex versus Rebirth of Mothra 3. Hello! Kaiju lovers, and welcome to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through tokusatsu. I am your host, the Cretaceous curator of the vault, Nathan Marchand, and Jimmy, you done good today, man. You took care of Bex. You got her back to her normal size because when you showed up, it was a little weird, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's been a weird uh, couple weeks, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> but super enjoyable, I just got to say. It was uh, one of those fortunate accidents, is that what you would call it?
0: I guess. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> from what you were saying beforehand, you were falcoring your way here, essentially. Oh, <laughs> You were yeah. 12 centimeters tall, and you got to ride Garu Garu here, which took all of us by surprise. Because Jimmy had no idea how you were getting here.
2: Mm, greatest day of my life, I tell you what. And I mentioned in the, what episode 16 that I was a Belvira fan. Well, I'm a Belvira fan for life now. So oh, thank but. you, Belvira. I appreciate it. It's great.
0: I don't know how okay. she managed to sneak onto the island. I may have to Talk to her sisters about this because I don't know how I feel about it. She's, mm-hmm. you never know where her loyalties are, unfortunately.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, well, I know where my loyalties lie. Yeah,
0: we know. And
2: I think uh, you need to redo your beginning instead of saying Kaiju, say uh, moth lovers. I'm just saying. It's just a suggestion. I'm just throwing it out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let you do a spinoff, I guess, if you want. Okay, um, okay. I am not opposed to spinoffs, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, especially since I have a long catalog of movies that I need to cover, and a lot of other kaiju on this island who want their movies mm-hmm. covered.
2: I understand that, but I'm just saying the most important kaiju is Mothra. I'm just saying.
0: Question question I would like to ask you is, which one, because we have Mothra and Mothra Leo... Both here on the island, so I would be I mean, curious.
2: All of them?
0: That makes sense. What? There have been yeah. multiple generations of Mothras. Sure. They don't seem mm-hmm. to live very long, unfortunately. Except Mothra Leo. No. Mothra Leo seems to be doing pretty well for himself.
2: But Mothra always comes back.
0: Of course she does. Or he, apparently. We'll or get he. into that because the subtitles <laughs> and dubbing. And today's movie, which is Rebirth of Mothra 3, which is also, also- part three of The Summer of Mothra that Yay. we're finishing up today. Which will be nice. Again, we'll get into Yay. that because my podcast schedule got mucked up again. But uh, yeah. Today's toku topic is actually going to be a little bit different because we're not going to just have one, we're going to have two. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the, you'll have to help me with the pronunciation on this, Bex, but sure. the, what is it, the mm-hmm. Hikikimori? Hikikimori.
2: Hikikimori. Yep. hikikimori
0: and we we'll also be talking about the Aoki Gahara or Aoki Forest.
2: Yay! I mean, not yay. No, don't yay that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's It'll be kind of a heavy subject. So, yeah, yeah. in the meantime, as per my contractual obligations, we got to get to the entertaining info dump. And while that is playing, through the magic of podcasting, we will have watched Rebirth of Mothra 3. And let me tell you, Bex, I previewed this before you got here. You're in for a treat. I really yay. think that. Yay! I'm so, super excited. All right, here we go. Mothra Leo is the dedicated and determined guardian of Earth. He flies into action to save the children taken by Grand King Ghidorah, going so far as to make a one-way trip back in time to kill him. After cocooning for 130 million years, he unveils his armor mode, one of several new forms that include Lightspeed Mode and Eternal Mothra. Grand King Ghidorah is a vicious and malevolent space monster who arrives on Earth in a meteor. While he previously wiped out the dinosaurs 130 million years ago, he now sets his sights on children. No motive is stated, but it's inferred he does this for sustenance. Garu Garu is Belvira's loyal robo-dragon steed. Fairy is the kind-hearted spirit insect steed for the Elias. Shota Sonoda is a reclusive and seemingly depressed boy who refuses to go to school for several reasons. When his younger brother and sister are captured by Ghidorah, he reluctantly agrees to help Maul by taking her sword inside the dome to complete the Elias Triangle in order to save his siblings. The kind and wise Laura and Maul, respectively, are the Elias sisters and Mothra Leo's priestesses. Both are dedicated to protecting Earth and saving the children, although Laura does fall under Ghidorah's spell for a time. Belvera is their courageous but mischievous eldest sister who now wants to help humanity while teaching her younger sister some important lessons. Yusuke and Yuki Sonoda are Shoda's concerned and loving parents who are trying to help him feel better and later doggedly search for their children after they are taken by Ghidorah or wander off. The human plotline is separate from the kaiju plotline for the early parts of the film, but once Shoda meets Maul, these plotlines are unified. Grand King Ghidorah is the problem. Mothra Leo battles the space dragon, but he is forced to retreat. Maul uses the last of her powers to send Mothra Leo 130 million years back in time to battle the younger Cretaceous period Ghidorah, thereby preventing him from existing in present day. Mothra Leo fights Cretaceous Ghidorah, and with help from Laura and Belvira in the present, Leo is barely able to kill the three-headed monster by dropping him in a volcano. While Ghidorah and the dome vanish, another Ghidorah appears having grown from a severed tail in the Cretaceous period. The problem is solved when Mothra Leo emerges in his new armor form from a cocoon made for him by Cretaceous Mothra larvae. He kills Ghidorah. The script by Masumi Suetani is more complex than the previous two films, with several new elements like time travel and dinosaurs thrown in. However, the cast is smaller, and it has only one child protagonist. With Koichi Kawakita retiring after Rebirth of Mothra 2, this film's special effects were directed by Kenji Suzuki. They were ambitious and imaginative, but the filmmakers sometimes exceeded their grasp. Most of the budget was spent on the impressive Mothra Leo marionettes and excellent Ghidorah suits, leaving little for the dinosaurs, which are cheap puppets. While much of the practical effects have aged well, the CGA often looks dated even though it's used well. The design of Grand King Ghidorah remains one of the most popular with fans. Other techniques that were used included superimposition, animation, and pyrotechnics. The costumes for the Elias and Belvira, which are more elaborate and detailed, are the best of the trilogy. However, the wirework used for the actresses is subpar. Overall, it's an improvement over the previous films, but it suffers due to its budget. This is the darkest film in the trilogy, although not so much so that children can't watch it. The gravity of the situation is felt throughout. With its magical time travel and other supernatural powers, it's a fantasy film. There's a certain level of experimentation given that time travel and dinosaurs had never been part of a Mothra film before, but these elements were taken from other Toho movies. That being said, making King Ghidorah Mothra Leo's foe was playing it safe for the studio. This film reinforces the style of Rebirth of Mothra with its male Mothra, child protagonist, and fairies with separate personalities, among other things. To a lesser extent, it reinforces the style of 1991's Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, with the inclusion of time travel and dinosaurs. Once again, this sequel was made in response to the modest success of the previous entry. Given its more mature tone thanks to the return of director Okahiro Yoneta, the audience was both children and families. Budget figures are unavailable, although it could be estimated to be about the same or a little lower than the previous entries. It's the lowest grossing of the trilogy, bringing in 850 million yen, or about 7 million dollars, when released in Japan December 12, 1998. It has a 5.9 on IMDB with 765 ratings. It's regarded by many kaiju fans as the best of the trilogy. There are several forces at play. Ghidorah possesses Laura, turning her against her sisters, and Shoda has to remind her of her true identity to break this influence. Shoda chooses not to go to school, which concerns his parents. It can be inferred that they forbid him from going to Aoki Forest because it's purported to be haunted and a popular suicide spot. Ghidorah is an invader, and the Elias and Mathruleo oppose him as Earth's guardians. This is the most thematically rich film in the trilogy. The opening narration declares, as long as you live, you shall have hope. Shota's parents are hardworking but not consumed by their jobs. Shota, despite his reluctance, immediately sets out to save his siblings when he hears they were taken by Ghidorah. The same is true of his parents. The Elias, Belvira, and Mothra Leo all sacrifice themselves in one way or another for the greater good. Belvira tells her sisters they must set aside their differences to defeat the space monster. The importance of family is frequently reinforced. The film's most profound theme is stated by Belvira, of all people. Sometimes kindness isn't enough. You must find the reason for hate and anger. Once you understand that, kindness will become even more powerful. More than courage or wisdom. Wow, it sounds like Jimmy actually had a good time writing this info dump. But now it's time for Toku Talk. With that out of the way, it's time to dive in to the final entry of this trilogy. And I can already tell you are chomping at the bit for mm-hmm. this, Bex. Oh, man. <laughs> we uh, You would not stop raving when we came out of the screening room.
2: <laughs> yes. This has got to be one of the best movies I've ever seen.
0: Of course. I'm just it saying. Is.
2: Yeah. It's like. Where are the Oscars? Where's the red carpet? Yeah, this deserves high recognition from everyone, and I mean everyone.
0: Apparently, you like it more than me. You know, I would say that there are things in this that actually do inch it up into legitimately good territory. Not like my uh, Rebirth of Mothra two.
2: Well, it definitely <laughs> had a lot of meat to it. So yes, mm-hmm.
0: uh, more than I was expecting before I pr- started prepping for this episode. I hadn't seen Rebirth of Mothra 3 in probably about 15 years. Mm. And I'd only seen it one other time. Remember that story I told you about my grandmother recording it off the TV? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the last time I had seen it. So I had forgotten a lot of stuff about this. We've got a lot to get into. A lot to get into. Let's do it. All right. So what are you thinking? You're the guest and the Mothrian, our resident Mothrian, the... So I'll leave the, it to you. Uh, Where would you like to start? You want to talk about the girls? No, I was thinking about the girls. Yeah.
2: Yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about the L.A.S. because that's the first thing you see is them on Infant Island and Belvira. She's so awesome. Belvira is looking for something. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind talking about the girls first because that's, that's great.
0: Well, it's interesting because did you realize they had recast one of them in this?
2: I did. I did notice that it was very noticeable, and I kind of missed the old uh, it Laura. Was Laura. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of missed the old Laura because she had this. She's the youngest of the three, right?
0: Yes, she is. I I looked that up, and actually, Belvira the oldest.
2: Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I
0: wasn't aware of that, but she is the oldest. It makes sense.
2: Yep. Yep. So I, I kind of missed that. I guess young, innocent look that the previous actress had. But it wasn't a bad recast. I think she did all right.
0: Yeah, the original actress, I've got it right here, the original actress was Sayaka Yamaguchi. My apologies for my Japanese. You'd think that working with a bunch of Japanese people would be better at this. But uh, it's Sayaka Yamaguchi. That was the original actress from the first two films. And she was replaced mm-hmm. by Misato Tate. I hope I said that right. It looks like Tate, but... I'm a dirty, dirty American, so it, that's what it looks <laughs> like to me. But I'm assuming it's Tate. She is Laura in this because the yeah. original actress had a very crowded filming schedule. So I guess she was popular.
2: Well, that's good, I
0: guess. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because I had thought that they had recast these characters sooner than this and they were cast most, more of them. But no, the other two sisters are played by the same actresses, which is kind of yeah. nice. But... My goodness, the costuming. <sighs> oh my gosh. You were yeah. gushing over the costuming in this. Yeah.
2: So, in the first Mothra movie, I mean, we made a joke of them being magical girls. Mm-hmm. They are stepping it up in this movie. They got the weapons, they got the little secret amulet things, <laughs> and they've got cool powers now. Yeah. And their outfits are, well, And it's funny because, you know, in Magical Girl shows, as they get more powers, their outfit evolves. So, you know, it's just natural. You get better, cooler, more regal outfits.
0: (laughs) Yes. My first reaction when I saw this, because, again, I haven't seen this in a while, is I was looking at this and I thought, I don't mean this the way it sounds. But when I saw it, like, you actually look like women, not Girls, you look like mm. women.
2: <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can the, see their that. outfits
0: were a little bit more form-fitting and you know, a little more flattering. The uh-huh. not just, you know, brightly colored doll outfits, more or less. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they looked almost at points they almost looked a little bit armor-ish. Like yeah. they had actual breastplates and things like that. Yeah. I was just like, wow. Yep. Shoulder pads. Yeah. I am like, wow, you stepped up the game here. Yep, that yep. is very good. And you, Belvira, definitely channeling Maleficent there. Very yeah. much channeling Maleficent, and I like it. Her, Ironically, her. you're not evil anymore. Apparently.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Still mischievous, not evil. Yeah, mischievous, <laughs> not evil. Yeah, right. she's uh, she went from evil to neutral in the D and D alignment scale. There you go. There you go. <laughs> she, or maybe she's like chaotic good now. I don't. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we could dispute that all night if we wanted to. Probably, Uh, (laughs) because that's what nerds do. (laughs) Right, right. Oh, yeah, her outfit was actually really awesome. And did you notice that she had a zipper, like a giant zipper on her back?
0: Yes. So it's like a real dress now.
2: (laughs) Yes. Like somebody actually made her little dress and a little zipper, like doll dress. Yeah. I was like, is that a zipper on your dress? I like it. It's like a fashion, new fashion statement.
0: This is probably, honestly, the the most compelling these characters have been for me. I mean, absolutely. I I, I got some enjoyment out of the first Rebirth of Mothra. It was entertaining enough. Mm-hmm. It was endearing enough, but I think I might have a little bit more ironic love for the first one. And then, oh my gosh, then there was two and it's just like, what the frick? Mm-hmm. And, but <laughs> this one... Oh my gosh! I yeah, I love these characters in this. It, it's absolutely. such a huge step up. I love just, the
2: characters. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and,
0: and like as you, like you're saying, they have weapons in this. I'm like, they have uh-huh. weapons. I've no uh-huh. other version of the show. Bajin, has weapons. This is unique to them in this movie. They have weapons.
2: Well, it kind of makes sense because in the first movie, you have the shield.
0: That's true. The seal. <laughs>
2: the seal and it and Belvera is using it as a shield. Like it fits on her just like a shield.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it makes sense that they got to have some sort of offensive weapon as well.
0: I was getting a, a lot of really strong legend of Zelda vibes. Yeah. <laughs> when uh-huh. That was going on. I even wrote down in my notes cause one of their crazy powers. Well, one of them. No, both of the Elias sisters can do this. Uh-huh. They can apparently sing through time. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, as you know, listeners from the entertaining info dump, we have time travel in this. There's a bunch uh-huh. of things that just get thrown into this movie. Oh and yeah, it's kind it's of all over nuts. The place. It is kind it's all of over the nuts. Place. This the sheer number of things they throw into this, because we got time travel and we have mm-hmm. all the fantasy stuff with them having weapons and mm-hmm. all of that. And then there are dinosaurs. Yep. <laughs> which we'll get into because I know you love Jurassic Park, our competition. Yep. But yep. I'm yep. just like, Armagersh and it's just they're just throwing so much stuff into this. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. And it's not like 2 where it felt like they had a bunch of leftover ideas from something and just kind of threw it together and hoped it worked. This one actually seemed like, well, like the, I can imagine they were all sitting in a writers room saying, How about time travel? Ooh, I like that. Dinosaurs. Ooh, I like that, too. Oh, even better. Yeah. (laughs) And then the show machine have weapons. Ooh, I like that. And then they they manage to grab all of those ideas, like, these are all amazing, and then they stitch them together in a way that actually made sense.
2: In a way. In In a a way. way. It's still kind of (laughs) wacky
0: and doesn't explain everything because that's kind of what this trilogy does. But and they,
2: they kind of give you, like with the, you said, sing through time or whatever. They kind of give you a little bit of an explanation where I think, yeah, Mall says the mind can reach where arms, the yes. arms cannot or yes. something like that. Yes. So, yeah. So there's that I, idea of. but I, I, I
0: think I have that written down. Keep talking. I'm going to yeah. see if I can find that, okay. the exact line of so, my notes.
2: Yeah. So they kind of give you an explanation for why they can help future mantra in the past
0: <laughs> i know it starts getting a little crazy right yeah now i, I don't have the exact line written down okay but i, I do There's have written like down that, here yeah. because what ends up happening is our villain in this one and we'll get into it is yeah, yeah. not only king Ghidorah, it is grand king Ghidorah.
2: grand
0: It is Grand King Ghidorah. That is the specific name for this design. The official? Yeah, the official name for this design, this incarnation of King Ghidorah. It's not Des Ghidorah, Right. That is a different version of Ghidorah. This is the King Ghidorah, but it's the Grand King Ghidorah. And interestingly, from what I read, he is Grand King Ghidorah because they got it from the Japanese for grandfather. Because at one point in an early draft of the script... Grand King Ghidorah was going to be Ghidorah's father.
3: Oh, so because remember, remember how I
0: said they retcon some uh some of the first movie and movie three? Yeah. Because they said Ghidorah yeah. killed the dinosaurs. It wasn't him. It was nope. Grand King Ghidorah. And I think that was going to be their the initially going to be their explanation. Well,
3: see
2: King, King Ghidorah is
0: his daddy.
2: <laughs> what you don't know is that the dinosaurs were wiped out twice. I
0: don't know how that don't ask works. Me how. <laughs>
2: Don't ask me how, but that's how it happens.
0: Uh, Well, not all of them, because we have dinosaurs on Skull Island, and we do have a few wandering around Monster Island. Oh,
2: that's, yeah. Not very many,
0: but we do have a few normal dinosaurs. But if you want dinosaurs, you have to either go to our competition or you have to go to Skull Island. I don't recommend Skull Island. It is a lot less safe than it is here, weirdly enough.
2: I mean, could anybody recommend Jurassic Park with how many times they've failed?
3: Uh... Yeah,
0: (laughs) Is it Monster Island has technically later? only failed once. Okay. <laughs> it was catastrophic. We don't talk about oh. it a whole lot, but yes. Oh. Disco Space All Nuns. Right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Moving on. But no, I have okay. written down in my notes, Mothra Leo doesn't need a flex capacitor or a TARDIS or a Song of yep. Time to time travel, although then I, just, I realized I kind of contradict myself a little bit. There is a Song of Time. There's kind of two of mm-hmm. them. It's just that mm-hmm. there's... The Elias sisters each sing one as opposed to playing it on your ocarina. So I guess what I should say is ah. he doesn't need an ocarina, not a song of time, because there are songs of time in this.
2: Well, it did involve like motion, like gestures with the little sword, too. So that was- This that is true. Apart.
0: Although I have to say, apart. the choreography for the, for the Elias was less entertaining- because there's no, uh, you know, rub your belly, summon Mothra action going <laughs> <Yeah>. there.
2: <laughs> I was looking for it too. I was like, "Come on, are you gonna do it?" <laughs>
0: and they don't.
2: <laughs> no, I was a little disappointed.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that was a new thing. They can mm-hmm. apparently do time travel. I guess they've always been able to do that because they sure. are just like, "Oh, Grand King Ghidorah is doing horrible things, and he's too powerful for even Mothra, Leo. My gosh." We'll get yeah. into that, but you know, yeah, you know, even Mazra Leo can't defeat him. What do we do? Time travel, of course, that's the answer. That is the answer to yeah, apparently, any that, trouble yeah. I was just gonna say, next time you have something go wrong, just say, and someone says, Well, how what do we solve this problem? Just say, Time travel,
2: time travel,
0: <laughs> huh? Just
2: like Doctor Who, that's what Doctor Who does, you just,
0: yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah the hence why i said he doesn't need a tardis you know he uh-huh, just needs uh-huh. 12 centimeter tall girls to sing hey whatever works yeah <laughs> as time travel methods go i've seen stranger as i actually have written yes. down here i said maul has a lightsaber or the Sword of sort of omens <laughs> one or, yeah the sort of omens there you go because <laughs> it kind of it's kind of both because it starts yeah. off like a lightsaber but then it's actually do they ever not look like lightsabers i think they do but they look like lightsabers a lot.
2: <laughs> they do do a little bit of glowing, for sure. A little bit of glowing, a little bit of growing. Yep.
0: Yes, Jimmy. Now our listeners can check off Star Wars reference on the MIFV bingo chart.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm pretty and sure there may be <laughs> one, two episodes at most that we've produced so far that don't reference Star Wars. It's kind of astonishing. Oh.
2: It's kind of a thing,
3: huh?
0: Yes, it's kind of a thing. (laughs) (laughs) And not only do the sisters have weapons, but their weapons are, even though they have them right at the beginning, they're the MacGuffin in this movie. Yep. Because they make what's called the Elias Triangle, which I don't know why I thought this. Maybe just because of some weak associations with the name, but... My, again, my brain went to Legend of Zelda. I'm like, So it's the Triforce? <laughs> Wait, that doesn't quite work. It's not quite right because the Triforce is split into eight pieces, which makes no sense because it's three. Why is it nine? Math. Yep. All right. Yep. Moving on. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So, and then we get another. See, this is the other thing that's really interesting about this. They develop the sisters and go a little bit into their background and build on the mythology. And we find out that the Elias sisters are each associated with, I guess you could call them virtues.
2: Ah, uh, I love this. And I wish they had gone a little bit more into this or developed this from the very beginning. Cause I, I love world building and give me some of that and I wish they had done this in the in the first movie because this made you actually more invested in the sisters. So, I So As soon as, I think as was Belvera read the little love, courage, wisdom. Yes, I was love, like, courage, uh, and wisdom. I was
0: trying to remember what yeah. it was, but yes, it's love, courage, and wisdom.
2: I was like, oh, sweet. There, each one is going to be associated with that specific virtue. And so immediately I'm trying to guess who's love, who's courage, who's wisdom. So that was... Totally cool, and I absolutely loved it. Well, and I, I gotta I, ask,
0: were you right?
2: I had definitely pegged Laura as love. I actually got Belvira and Maul mixed up. Did you? Yes, I put Belvira as wisdom and not courage, so and vice, yeah. So I was like, oh, well, okay. But then, of course, once it revealed that she was courage and Maul was wisdom, I was like, well, that makes sense because Maul is kind of the one who's leading the way. When she's it comes always to... the
0: one who's had the steady head on her shoulders.
2: Yeah, what needs to be done, where we need to go, yeah. what we need to do. Uh, yeah, because yeah.
0: Laura was always the one who was very concerned about everybody.
2: Very passionate and mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. So it's Compa- like, com- so it's like
0: yeah. maybe this is a horrible comparison, but it's like <laughs> it's like Laura is McCoy and Maul is Spock.
2: So we got a Star Trek reference in there then, huh? Yes,
0: which I <laughs> guess makes Bill Vera the de facto Kirk.
3: Oh, uh, sure.
0: <laughs> and considering that William Shatner on his Twitter recently posted a picture, I don't think he made it, I'm guessing a fan made it, where someone took a photograph of him as Captain Kirk in the original series and Photoshopped it to make it look like a woman.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: And So creepy. Yeah, it was a little weird. It was kind of uncanny <laughs> valley-ish. And yeah, yeah. For the sake of keeping this family-friendly, I won't mention what Shatner's comment was on it. I mean, it wasn't terribly dirty, but it's just enough. You can go look "Mm, it up. Yeah, go look it up. (laughs) It's there. Yeah,
1: it's a thing.
0: But that was interesting. But then we have a Shyamalan twist, which Which I have a little too much experience with now. Oh, yeah. Because not only does Laura get recast, She betrays the other two. And I'm just like, I don't remember this. It's been 15 years since I've seen this movie. And I'm like, I don't remember this part. (laughs) She, she, what? And this is, again, once we talk about the monsters, we'll get into this. But this is a little goofy. Because the way the sub, the dub titles, I should say. Okay. The way the dub titles put it, Belvira says to Laura, you've been possessed by Ghidorah. I don't think possessed mm-hmm. is quite the right word, but sure. Mm-hmm. And it just makes Ghidorah that much weirder in this, which is kind of the thing that's a problem that all three of these movies have, which is they throw things in there and just expect you to accept them yeah, <laughs> without much of an explanation. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? So her and Maul are riding a ferry, oh, man. and she grabs her sister from behind. By the throat, man. She's going to throttle yeah, her. Yeah, going to throttle her sister. And then they have this bigger wow. struggle. And then the next time you see fairy, it's just Maul and her sister's yeah. gone. And I'm just, and I'm thinking, what? did Yeah, they? yeah. Because like I said, it's been too long since I've seen it before. So I'm thinking, did they really? Did they just murder well, one of the main characters in a kid's movie? What? <laughs> it
2: shows them, It sh- yeah, it shows them both fall off. Towards the big, dome. Ooh, meaty meaty dome. Yeah, a <laughs> fleshy dome.
0: I found some things out about that dome that okay. might Cause, yeah, cause freak that's... you out a little bit, just so you know.
2: Okay. <laughs> so, and then fairy flies after him, but then you don't see what happens after that. You really don't know what happened to Laura Actually,
0: um, until... that how did I think about it? They do fake-out deaths for all three sisters. <laughs> yeah, they do. Because... You think Laura dies, and she doesn't. Yeah, yeah. She just ends up in the dome. Yeah. Then it looks like Maul dies because she yeah. exhausted turns into a crystal. herself sending... Yeah, she turns into a crystal because she exhausted herself sending Mothra Leo back in time. Yeah. And then there's at least one point where you think Belvira dies. Now, that one is probably the one where they do the least fake out with it. Uh-huh. Although that one was actually kind of interesting because she also ends up in... The Dome with Garu Garu. With Garu Garu. The yeah. hero. The true hero. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, we'll talk about him in a second. And then Laura almost kills her. because They get into a sword fight. I'm, I, I'm thinking yeah. I never expected to see a sword fight in this movie. The wire foo looks That's questionable. Yeah, it's a little janky. Crouching Tiger, this but, is not. But
2: mm-hmm, we'll go mm-hmm. with it
0: because it's kind of been Belfaira's thing. Mm-hmm. The wire foo. But that was interesting to see, Lisa. So they used to get into a sword fight with them. And, the, and I think even before then, she crashed in the dome and you didn't really know what had happened. And then she wakes up and she's like, Oh, hi, Laura. And then Laura's like, <laughs> I will silently murder you. And, yeah. <laughs> and so there's all of this stuff going on with well, the sisters out of just, wow.
2: And again, they, this, they, this is probably
0: the most they get to do in any of these movies.
2: Yeah. And I loved it. And. Maul immediately knows that the little medallions fit in the sword where Belvira didn't because she was wearing it around her neck and Laura got it from her and then put it in her little sword and Belvira's like, oh, that's how you use that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) I am evil and ditzy. (laughs)
2: I went and got this thing because she was the one who found the box and the Elias Triangle or whatever, but didn't know how to use it. So it's like, oh, where's the where's the world building? Give me more info. I want to see how this works.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, they threw so much into this that actually made the world of this trilogy just that much richer.
2: Explode. It exploded.
0: Yeah. And from th- the get go, I might add. Yeah. I mean, the opening credits sequence does look a bit video gamey. I will admit. But... Yeah,
2: which was interesting because the last two opened with Mothra, which, naturally, you're going to open with Mothra, but this one didn't, so the that was inter- interesting.
0: Yeah, it was all CGI, but it definitely looked huh. like you were watching the intro to a PS1 game. Yeah. But the interesting thing about it is that it's like the audience is flying through. All of this stuff. And it ends mm-hmm. with the camera flying through a Tory gate, which I'm saving a Tory Gate discussion for a future episode.
3: Ooh, okay. But
0: let me just say Tory Gates have a huge significance in Japanese culture, particularly in mm-hmm. Shintoism. Yep. Yep. And the gist of it, like I said, we'll get it. I'll get into more details in a future episode. They are meant to mark the points at which People transition from the physical world into the spiritual world. Yeah. So the fact Very that we, as the audience, with, you know, because we get a POV shot with the camera that we're, fl- we fly through a Tory gate and then the movie proper starts. Mm. I think that's saying something. So, yeah. While it lacks the grandeur of, say, the first movie, there's a little bit more symbolism, I think, going on. I agree. But since we're on the subject of the characters, you know, we've talked a lot about the girls. I'm sure you could go on for a long time. I'm sure you're probably trying to plan a pitch for an Elias sister magical girl anime or something to give to Toho. Don't tell my secret. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, we have to talk about the other staple of these movies, which is the kids. Kid. The thing that's interesting about this is we, even though we have multiple children in this, uh-huh. it's really only about one of them. Yep. Yep. Which I found interesting because whereas in the first movie we had a brother and a sister, mm-hmm. the last movie we had three.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Token girl, token fat kid, and token nerd.
3: <laughs> token nerd.
0: <laughs> yeah. In this one we only have one kid. Now he has a brother and a sister, if I remember correctly. But right. they're secondary. They don't show, they're not in the movie nearly as much as he is. But we have Shota, this kid. Shota. And this is kind of a hero's journey for Shota, now that I think about Mm -hmm. it, because Mm -hmm. when we meet him and when we get to the Toku topic, we'll talk a bit more about this. Shota won't go to school. He's living in a very nice family, he's got a great mom and dad. Yeah. But they're concerned about him because he keeps refusing to go to school. Yep, yep. And there's some implication that for why he doesn't want to, that, you know, doesn't want to eat the required lunch. And there's some drama going on with a girl he likes and he's being bullied. He He seems to be a sensitive kid and he doesn't want to go. So they're concerned about this. So he's kind of keeps to himself a lot. And then he gets pulled into this adventure with the Elias and with Mothra Leo, and it brings him out of his shell. He grows up. I almost said he becomes a man, but that's not quite right. He grows up Mm -hmm. over the course of this movie. And it's,
2: yeah,
0: it's surprisingly good. I thought and I really worked really well with the sisters and I, I feel like I one of my complaints with the previous two movies is I felt like we didn't spend enough time with the children characters just in their yeah. normal lives so yep, we can yep. get a sense for what a contrast this is for them. And I felt and this... like finally with this one, I felt like we had adequate enough time before yeah. things get Not... crazy only it not was only, only adequate, a little bit more and maybe there could have been a tiny bit more a little bit more development but i felt like i got enough yeah that i knew what these char- what this character was like before the madness started
2: right right not only adequate but good like the dynamic of the family you are immediately drawn into it i mean you immediately love papa and mama and are invested in the dynamic in the family. So I I was so excited to see and also Shoto is an older boy, which you know in the the past episodes we have um we have younger kids. So mm-hmm. it was nice to get a just a different type of protagonist in that he's an older boy. So I really I was immediately like, yes, here we go. We're going to see a cool adventure. Super excited about it
0: and he grows just like i said he yeah. grows as a character he mm-hmm. has an arc mm-hmm. because yep. by the end of the movie you definitely get this impression that he's learned to be brave in fact that yep. was actually something i got from one of the books i was looking at you know mm. that that one i have i've referenced every other time you know, japan's green monsters okay. they they talk about how that's kind of the main crux of this movie it's not about environmentalism sure. Not really.
2: Yeah, you this really is don't. Probably, this probably has the all. least
0: yeah. amount of environmentalism out of all three, yeah. which is interesting. It's more implicit than anything else. The yeah. you know the most obvious place would be when you see all the families reunited at the end of the movie, uh, when the families are restored. It's within a pristine meadow. Yeah. So it's yeah. subtly connecting restored families to pristine nature. Mm-hmm. So there's that at the very least. But this is really, like I said, it's Shota growing up. Mm -hmm. And I really like it. And he plays Mm -hmm. off of the Elias really well. And Mm -hmm. because they kind of turn to him out of desperation. Like he Mm -hmm. just kind of gets sucked into it because he stays home from school. And his parents even tell him, don't go to Aoki Forest or Aoki Kahara. (laughs) And he just up and does it. because
2: Well, I mean, obviously he had a fascination with it and had been going there often enough to where he had his little path, his little cave that he went to, his little ladder and supplies that he had stored there. He had maps drawn because that's where his parents knew where to go and the wind tunnel and all that. So this, he had a deep fascination with this place and went there often. Even in when he went into the wind tunnel and he's leading Mall through it, he's like, "This is where I go when I want to be alone." Yes, um,
0: which mm-hmm. this is a little bit of a spoiler for the next segment, but that is a thing. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that people go to Okigahara is because it's really quiet, mm-hmm. and it's a, a good way for them to get away from it all, be alone. Yeah, so, so. it makes total sense. We get some other little insights into him. I have written down here. There's a point where he tells Maul that he thinks he's the oldest. He says the eldest child yeah. always has it harder than the younger. Yeah. So even though Maul is technically the middle child, I think there's a little bit of a kinship there because you know in, 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 in the context, sister. this is coming after Laura tried to Laura. strangle her. Yeah. And yeah. so she's really upset about that. And, I think there's a little bit of a kinship there because he feels yeah. like he's having it harder than his younger siblings, yeah. You know, with all the stuff that's going on at school. But when you're talking about the family. What's interesting about this is that this is a very different family dynamic than what we had in the first movie, mm-hmm. where in that one it was a mom and a dad who weren't getting along. Now they weren't about to get divorced, right. but they were not getting right. along. And in this one, the mom and a dad get along great. Oh yeah. And they just spend a lot of their time just really concerned about their kids. The the mom wonders mm-hmm. if Shota doesn't want to go to school because she's working part-time. Right. So she's taking a little bit of responsibility for what's going on. Unlike in the first movie, the dad in this one is not consumed by his job, which is a little atypical no. from no. a lot of Japanese families, and he's equally yeah. as concerned about his kids and they live a comfortable life. You know, they have a nice yeah. little middle-class family, doing well for themselves and they spend time with the kids and you just everything's nice, it's just Shota just he seems depressed. Let's just mm-hmm. just call it a spade a spade here. He he seems to be depressed and they don't know what to do about it.
2: Depressed and withdrawn. Yep.
0: Yeah. So they spend a lot of time worrying about that and then the parents are actually in, like in the first movie, the parents are involved in the adventure, they're trying to do things, they're trying to figure stuff yeah. out. They're doing yeah. it separately from Shota and they're just focused on, you know, where's Shota? He went into the we forest. We need to go get yep. him. And we gotta get him. You gotta get him. And then they don't get as involved in the adventure as the parents in the first movie, but they still do stuff. And it's interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. It's great because I know one of your complaints for this, the second movie. Oh, man. Was that yeah. there were really no adults in that.
2: There are no adults except the two bumbling buffoons.
0: Yeah. yeah. But, in, and but they, you liked the first one because the parents were involved. Which I is love not the family. Yeah. And
2: that ending scene when the family comes together, I was moved by that. Like, it was beautiful. Yeah. And I literally teared up. Like, this is...
0: I know. I saw. A,
2: an awesome, awesome ending to this trilogy. So, yeah. I love the family.
0: It was... Surprisingly Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Now, I know both of us have a lot of notes on the monsters, but before Mm -hmm. we get to the monsters, is there anything about the characters that we want to make sure we cover? Of course. We could always talk more about the characters. (laughs) Which is saying something, because people tend to act like characters don't matter in kaiju movies. Wrong! Oh, no. no, let Let me say it like Lex Luthor. Wrong! Right. Absolutely,
2: man. I mean, I love the kaiju, obviously. But, man, I, the characters, absolutely. Because that's how you connect with the whole thing, mm-hmm. is the characters. And poor Shota. Like, I loved the idea of his character. I loved that he was an older boy and he was withdrawn. I mean, I, just his whole story arc, I loved it. But Poor kid. He's got, like, one facial expression. <laughs> it's well, like we've already established that he's game.
0: probably depressed. <laughs> So you're right, I you're did, right. So I didn't think of it as a poor performance on that little a, sure. on that part okay. of the little actor. I think it's because he's supposed to be that way.
2: Yeah, you you know you're probably giving him too much credit, but we can go with that. So.
0: Yep. <laughs> See, Jimmy says that when he was growing up in Japan for a little while, he knew kids like Shota.
2: Okay, okay, Jimmy. All right. <laughs> I'll defer to you, because I've never been to Japan. I only watch shows
0: about it. <laughs> someday, right?
2: Exactly, someday. Well, I
0: mean, technically, Ogasawara is part of Japan, so...
2: True, yeah, 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 yeah. Mainland Japan. Main, yeah, yeah. mainland Japan. Yeah, we mm-hmm. have to
0: qualify it a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right, and then one of the things that I had written down was, and I'm surprised we didn't talk about this, because what, the MacGuffin, we talked about the, the different weapons that the sisters have, and then they combined yep. them at the end, by yep. your powers combined, yep, they make the Elias Triangle, which is supposed to help them defeat Ghidorah. Right. It's a rapier. Yes. And I actually wrote down in my notes, expectation subverted. I would not <laughs> have expected it to be a rapier. Nope, nope. It's a Japanese film. I'm thinking probably Katana. No, nope, well, it's a rapier. You can't
2: underestimate the rapier. One of the coolest characters in the Soul Calibur game I can't remember his name, but he uses a rapier. Raphael. And just, there you go. That's it.
0: Thank you for the nerd points, Jimmy. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and he's a pretty powerful character, and he's pretty fun if you know how to use them. So, rapiers, I'm just saying, are pretty cool.
0: All I remember from Raphael in those games is Pokey Pokey. Pokey Pokey. Pokey 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 Pokey. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Death by a million pokes. <laughs>
0: Yes. So that was actually pretty cool.
2: Mm-hmm. I did like um, how Belvira, when she was caught underneath Garu Garu, <laughs> and she
0: kicked, she's kicking him. I love it. She, she's like kicking she, him. She, she kicks him. She kicks him. And she says, Oh, you're useless. Yeah. <laughs> and, I love it. Then, I love it. And then <laughs> she calls him useless, but she, she's kind of tied up right in front of him. And then she actually yeah. manages to kind Kick of him awake or you know, something. You know, well, We're back. Like she kind of throws herself back and kicks him in the head and says, yeah. Oh, you're useless. And then he wakes up and he's just reflexively shoots his death. ray yes. And changes her boots. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I like, love it. Is that an unintentional callback to the first movie when a shoe stops his death rate?
2: Oh, <laughs> yep.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, oh man! I forgot about this. I have this little scene because, I mean, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit. It's kind of about the monsters, but I don't think there's much okay. else to say about fairy other than this. But oh, there's fairy. this little moment where poor fairy is alone because all the sisters are gone.
3: I know.
2: And he's just
0: sitting there, just like,
2: oh. And this is the best-looking fairy out of all three movies, I think. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But he's just sitting there, and I'm just like, I feel sorry for him. Poor fairy. They're all gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, poor thing. And thankfully, Mm -hmm. the sisters come back, so everything's okay. Yeah, yeah. not as bad as when he was only mostly dead in the first movie. No one
2: truly dies in this
3: movie. Which
0: I don't know if that's a good thing or not. (laughs) <laughs> with all the fake out deaths when I mean, no one actually dies uh, yeah but anyway but since we're talking about we've you know we talked a little bit about fairy that's probably fairy's standout moment in this movie right uh, we'll talk a little bit about garu garu since you got a little up close and personal Aww. with Garu, garu. yeah so yep. which iteration of garu garu did you have Normal Garu Garu, did you have Terminator Garu Garu, or did you have, as I call him in my notes, Kano Garu Garu, because he has a little bionic eye now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I kept waiting for a laser to come out of the eye. Yeah, right,
2: right. It was definitely Kano Garu Garu that Uh, I got to ride. And thankfully, that actually, that little monocle that he has over his eye actually serves a purpose, because, I mean, it helps him navigate Ah. All on his own because I mean I didn't know where I was going, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, obviously.
2: Obviously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that came in handy. But yeah. you know, did yeah. you watching this movie, did you have any standout moments with gauru Garu?
2: I just love Gauru Gauru and there wasn't enough of him in this episode. I'm just gonna say I need or in this in this movie. So more Gauru Garu, please.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't think this was, is the, the most he's been used in a movie. I think that still goes no, to... the first one. You know, the first was, one. Yeah, but but the whole, the, there was a little moment in this, and I, I kept it to myself when we were watching the movie because I'm just like, she's in the zone. I don't want to take her out of this zone. <laughs> but there actually is a scene where it's like, somehow the producers of this movie knew you would say this, but there is a scene where Bill Vera is using tiny wrenches to fix it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. You yeah. made reference to it was like, I bet she fixed him with her tiny wrenches. And like uh-huh. look, tiny wrenches. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there are right. actual tiny wrenches. Yep. In this yep. movie. Yep. <laughs> I couldn't help but think of your little joke. Great. You probably thought, yep. oh that's just a throwaway line. Nope, tiny wrenches. Nope.
2: There is truly real, actual tiny wrenches.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right, and then yep. let's take the next one in line because I wanna I want to save the big two monsters for the end. Sounds good. Yeah, we have dinosaurs. Dinosaurs!
2: Oh my goodness, we had dinosaurs. I, I was think not they ran dinosaurs. out of money
0: because all oh. the rest of the monsters look great. And yeah. then they looked at their budget and they said, "Well, darn." <laughs> So we have these big, gorgeous suits and multiple marionettes for Mothra Leo because that's what they, he do and yeah. all of this stuff. And then they're like, oh, wait, we need to make dinosaurs. What can we afford? Hand puppets. When? Hand puppets. From a Halloween oh. store.
2: Or the actual toys from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Because that T-Rex design is pulled straight from the Jurassic Park
0: T-Rex design. Yep. Yeah. I've seen video of our competition. I know about uh-huh. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. But those effects were, I don't know if cringy is the right word, but
3: uh,
2: compared to everything
0: else, it was a little difficult to see.
2: Yeah, it was rough. It
0: was rough. That was rough. I and mean, cause, the, I mean there, cause there's all this buildup because, yeah. cause they say, this is not the first time Ghidorah has come to Earth. He came when there were dinosaurs, and he wiped out the dinosaurs, which retcon. Mm-hmm. He wiped out the dinosaurs 130 million years ago, which yeah. makes me wonder because most estimates say 65. <sighs> so yeah. we're just randomly making up numbers. Might as yeah. well randomly. Make oh it yeah, I also forgot the. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes right now. I also forgot there was a point where apparently, fairy has new powers in this too. Oh. He apparently has scanning beams. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, he s- scans it, yeah. Yeah, scanning beams. And I think uh-huh. he had, didn't he have deflector shields later? So it's like, what the oh. heck? He's Is he a starship? A Federation <laughs> starship? He's got sensors and deflector shields? Because? Okay. Does he have a, tel- does he have a teleporter? <laughs> uh, a transporter? <laughs> yeah. No, he didn't teleport, and you've already oh, okay. had some interesting experiences yeah. with teleporters. Yeah. But, yeah, but apparently, not only does he have scanning beams, he can detect dinosaurs.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. So we apparently got wiped out twice. So, gotcha. <laughs> you know, so uh, we have these dinosaurs, and it's, uh, I wrote down on my notes, these are the worst-looking dinosaur puppets this side of Carnosaur. Jurassic Park, are... this is not.
2: No. No.
0: It was And it's rough. so
2: funny, because, it's, you know, Jurassic Park was, what, 90, 93? Three. And this was 98? Yep. And, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's obvious that there there was budgetary issues with that. Um, I, I admire but, yeah. the
0: ambition. I really it, do. Sure. Because yeah. there's all this hype. It's like, we're going back to the Cretaceous period, which is even more. I don't know if it's more or less ambitious, but in an earlier huh. draft of the script, it wasn't the Cretaceous period. Heck, it wasn't even King Ghidorah. It was going to be Rodan. Oh, okay. And in order to defeat Rodan, Mothra Leo was going to travel back to the Edo period. Oh, to fight a younger version of Rodan.
2: Okay.
0: But then hmm. they changed it to King Ghidorah because they thought that had more marquee value and okay. made it the Cretaceous period instead of the Edo period.
2: Because Jurassic Park was so successful, I
0: guess. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe it was to save money. But then again, they tried to make dinosaurs <laughs> and a volcano and all kinds of stuff. So and that Brach, that's CGI and
2: Brachiosaurus. Oh man, that yeah,
0: was Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a it was a T. Rex and a Triceratops. Well, they, uh, we, no, that was, was one the two shot. main ones that we saw. It was a T-Rex yeah. and a Triceratops. And I, they did, they... It was, that actually made me laugh. And I don't know if this was intentional or not. Because when we see the T-Rex and Triceratops, the T-Rex is hunting it. And is trying yeah. to get his jaws around the thing's neck, which is a little difficult yeah. because Triceratops. Yeah. To strangle it and then presumably eat it. And then Mothra Leo shows up and they stop. <laughs> they look up and go, like, what <laughs> the? the? Look. And then they watch all this, and then we have a big fight between Mothra Leo and King Ghidorah, and then there is this shot of these puppets. Oh, it's (laughs) hilarious. (laughs) Where all this stuff happens. All this madness happens. They witness it Uh, all, and then... It's like they the two of them have just been standing there, predator and prey, just been watching. standing there watching. Watching. And then after it's all over, they look at each other knowingly as if to say, I know. "Well, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly they don't want to kill each other anymore.
3: It was so
2: hilarious. <laughs> I about died. It's like they're I trying to, are they trying to give these dinosaurs personalities or something? Oh <laughs> I just,
0: man. I don't know. You've actually seen that happen once in real life? <gasps> you and I need to talk after the show. Uh, Was it on the island? Oh, no, tell me later. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, uh, I admire the ambition, but I think their ambition exceeded their grasp, mm. their reach, something like that.
2: Well, if only their mind had reached further than
0: their arms, or in this case, if their I- budget. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, they're <laughs> Yeah. In which case, that's a perfect time to transition to where all, most of the money went. <laughs> yeah. So Grand King Ghidorah. This is I can tell you, Bex, is one of the most popular designs for Ghidorah in the fandom. He in was fa- awesome. In fact, a lot of people would say Grand King Ghidorah is the best design for Ghidorah, period. Now, I think that's a little overhyped, but this is, okay. a, this is a great design. It is a man, great design. Man,
2: he was cool. He was cool looking.
0: This is a real King Ghidorah, not Desk Ghidorah. This right. is a real King Ghidorah, and I do like it a yeah. lot, especially the, yeah. the, the horns. The horns look almost like angels. Oh,
2: man. They were amazing. And the close-ups, too, of when you see the Elias flying right near his face and everything, and just... Yeah, he was cool, man. Yeah,
0: and I can tell you, as was probably the, uh, I know was the case here, Ghidorah is a combination of a suit actor and puppetry. Mm. Because there is a man in that suit mm-hmm. when he's walking around. When he's flying, it's a, it's a puppet. But even okay. when it's the suit, the heads have to be controlled through puppetry.
3: Wow.
0: So talk about coordination. Yeah, Now, it's not the most complex monster that Toho has done, but still, that's a lot of coordination. You know, several people working on one monster. That was cool. And it's interesting. There's a point early on in the movie where he's called the King of Terror. Which is a Nostradamus thing. Because there's a a Nostradamus prophecy, which I'll probably get into in a future episode because I am planning on eventually doing an episode on Prophecies of Nostradamus, which is a banned Toho film. Really? But I have managed to acquire a copy for The Vault. Of course you have. That was not an easy task, I might add. But Nostradamus makes a prophecy where he says in 1999 my understanding I'd have to do a a little more research that there will be a king of terror who appears Hmm. and Toho had been wanting to do some sort of a movie where Ghidorah was that king of terror for several years. I guess it happened in this. Now this idea also gets used fun fact in a young adults Godzilla novel by Mark Saraceni that I read back when I was in high school. It's called Godzilla 2000 not to be confused with the movie Godzilla 2000 Okay. where he does the same thing, except in that it's interesting because Godzilla and Ghidorah have a big old fight. Spoiler warning at the end of that book on New Year's Eve in New York City. So Uh, takes it to another level, I guess. But there is one thing that they do that's massively different. And this compared to other versions of King Ghidorah, although this is one of those things they never really explain because they said when he came in the Cretaceous period, he wiped out the dinosaurs. But they never really said why. But now he has shifted his focus. It's not dinosaurs. I was going after children. Children 12 and under. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) Which is how you know he's evil. Because he's going after the children. The children. But what about the children? (laughs) So he he has this magical ability Uh that I have seen in no other incarnation of Ghidorah where he can fly over, say, a school. And all the children are teleported away. Good thing you didn't have yep. Ghidorah portation today.
3: Oh yeah, right.
2: Yeah,
0: that, ooh, yeah. Especially because I, I don't. Sort of... We don't want you ending up in the dome meat bubble. You say that, <sighs> but now I'm. As I mentioned earlier, I'm going to frighten you. According to my research, <laughs> even though they don't come out and say it, uh-huh. the dome is his stomach.
2: This is belly.
0: So I yep. guess Ghidorah's flying around saying, get in my belly. All right. <laughs> oh, gosh. We got that out of the way. So, yeah. So the dome uh, is his stomach. Uh-huh. And the little mini volcanoes that spew the, the stuff. Gastic stomach acid. Juices. Mm-hmm. Digestive juices. <laughs> There's some nightmare fuel for you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh,
0: and this is a children's movie, I might add. <laughs>
2: Well, it's freaking scary when he's taking all the kids, man. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's
0: actually pretty eerie. I have it written down. Yeah. I wrote down because, again, I haven't. I was writing these notes having not seen the movie in a long time. And I wrote, what happened to the kids when Ghidorah flew over? Eerie scene, though. Mm-hmm. And then they, they do explain. And I do like that Ghidorah comes to Earth in a meteor, which is uh-huh. how he showed up in the original Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, his first appearance. Except this time, the meteor does goofy things with gravity instead of magnetism. It was magnetism in the original movie, which makes sense because the lightning that he shoots, Mm -hmm. those are supposed to be gravity beams. They're supposed to affect gravity. Remember how the, the Ghidorah in the anime trilogy could manipulate gravity? Yeah. That's why. But only on rare occasions does anybody in Toho remember. Oh, yeah, they're called gravity beams. They're supposed to do stuff with gravity. It's not just lightning. So I thought that was nice because it doesn't happen Mm. nearly often enough. Mm. One of the things I do like about this is we kind of get a bit of a slow unveiling of Ghidorah Mm -hmm. for about 20 minutes or so. We never really get a full shot of Ghidorah. We, We hear him. We see his shadow. But we never really see him. The leg, yeah. We never really see him. And then when we actually finally do see him, it's like, oh my.
3: Whoa, there he
0: is. Yeah. Yep. That, so that was mm-hmm. cool. I did like that. Mm-hmm. The design for him, like I said, I like the horns. It's very dragon-like, but he's always supposed to have been a dragon. In fact, when you yeah. had me on, I believe it was for City on the Edge of Battle, I said, Ghidorah's going to be in the next one, and is significant in the Godzilla mythos because he's, how did I put it? He's a golden space dragon, a three-headed a golden three space headed, dragon. there you
2: go. Three-headed yeah. golden
0: space dragon, and you just said, that sounds awesome. I said, yes, because it <laughs> is. <laughs> totally
3: awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, but totally. again... Because everybody needs to get new powers in these movies. Ghidorah gets yep. some extra powers. He has purple lightning wings. Yeah,
2: which he only uses after he loses one of them.
0: I know. It's a little bizarre. <laughs> it's like, why like, didn't you why whip didn't those you out that? sooner?
2: You might have been able to win. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> kind of glad you didn't because, you know. Moth
0: yeah. Awesome. I, and then after that, he <laughs> tries to, well, squash Mothra like a bug. Oh yeah! I thought poor Larval Mothra Leo had a hard time with Descadora, but
2: geez. Yeah, that was rough. Mothra was getting curb stomped,
0: and <laughs> yeah, curb stomped is the way <laughs> it is. about right. It was rough. <laughs> yeah, although we st- we never really are told. I have to admit, I don't understand why Gidora is only going after children. They just make it sound like well, no. he wants to kill children, and I'm thinking, yeah. okay. He could fly over the city and shoot it with his lightning slash gravity beams, and it would be just as effective, if not more so. Yeah. So there's, and a, it has to be a very specific reason he wants children. And if he can manifest his stomach, his
2: meat bubble, anywhere, why didn't he just manifest it right in downtown Tokyo or something? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoop,
0: there it is. And I got all the people. I keep thinking there had to be a reason why because like again we'll mm-hmm. talk about it he had to have been a reason why he picked Gahara mm-hmm. for his stomach mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. and then
0: one of the other weird little powers because the, the meat bubble that's new too that's a new thing yeah. for Dory he's never done that before or since <laughs> and then he can then. possess people yeah because that's the explanation we get for why Laura betrays her sisters
2: We like to call it
0: influence, yeah, not possession. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know because that's what the dub titles say, and I'm thinking I I don't know if possessed is the right word. But that's what Belvira says. She's like, "Oh, you, Laura, are clearly possessed by Ghidorah." And I'm thinking, he can do that. What do they they, do? The heads all designate tasks to each other or something. So they like tell the right head, hey, you teleport the children. Hey, you, you possess random people and I'll coordinate everything. The one in the yeah. center. I am just like, eh? who knows? What?
2: I don't get it. It's weird. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah. Story.
0: But like I said, it's kind of a trademark of this trilogy. They throw things in there with <laughs> no explanation. But then, this was interesting. We don't just get one version of Ghidorah. We get two I know, because then so, they tra- yeah. travels back in time, and we get a Cretaceous Ghidorah.
3: <laughs>
2: so I originally had called it Baby Ghidorah, <laughs> and you informed me that no, this is not Baby Ghidorah.
0: No, um, there has no. been a Baby Ghidorah.
2: So um, I have nicknamed this Ghidorah Angsty Teenager Ghidorah. <laughs> angsty Teenager Ghidorah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> oh, now I wish Shota had gone back in time with Mothra, Leo. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> can you imagine how fun that would be? Be like, it's like I I feel your pain, Ghidorah. <laughs> I understand you. I don't want you to uh, die now, uh, or maybe I want you to die right? more. I don't know. Right? I don't know. I'm confused. I'm very really confused. I want to be alone. <laughs> I want to be alone. Dinosaurs.
3: Let me I mean, kill all the dinosaurs. I can I- be
0: alone. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm depressed. Right. Anyway, so, yeah. So, we get two. And uh-huh. Mothra Leo has to fight this one, too. And the weird yep. thing is, the whole logic behind it is that he's less powerful. Still powerful, but mm-hmm. less powerful. Mothra Leo mm-hmm. can handle him. No. No. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> he does do better, but he still gets his butt kicked.
3: Yep this
0: one's a lot different. This one actually reminds me of the Ghidorah from GMK, the one I told you had the crazy long name. Okay. He's smaller, the horns are less pronounced, so... More uh, angsty. Yes. (laughs) And then Uh... I did think it was interesting, and I... The time travel gets a little wonky. I've seen far worse, my gosh. Don't get me started on Godzilla vs. King Oh, yeah, the
2: time travel was... Like, wait a second. Yeah. So the
0: tale... I will that, give them credit. Right. I will give them credit. They address it because mm-hmm. Bill Vera even says, "Hey, if
2: they destroyed Ghidorah, if they
0: destroyed Ghidorah in the past, every, we would remember me. everything differently. But we're not. So they at right. least acknowledge the fact that right. something goofy's going on with the time travel. Yep. Which is, yeah, like I said, is more than I can say for Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. But still, <laughs> but they have this moment where. Modern Ghidorah, Grand King Ghidorah, even though he's looming creepily over mm, the meat bubble, like a witch kind of sitting there going, boy, oh, boy, oh in trouble. He starts feeling the pain of his past self, which is actually kind of yeah. funny. And yeah. And though I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm a little surprised that the characters know that that's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <And It's so laughs> because strange. Laura does get the inf- get Ghidorah's influence broken. And then, she I mean, can, and then she can sing through time because she sends Mothra yeah. Leo a power-up in the form of song. Right? You know, and all but, that stuff. but the
2: present Ghidorah still has the two tail forky thing. I know. They're tails. Yeah, the tails. Yes. Like, he didn't lose one part of it when the past Ghidorah lost
0: it. Yeah, which is a little odd. Again, mm-hmm. it's a little wonky, but I think the implication, because that's... Mothra Leo succeeds in defeating Cretaceous Ghidorah, Mm -hmm. It's a hard-fought victory, but Mm -hmm. he manages to win, and he severs a tail. Interestingly, again, things got changed from a a previous draft of the script. Originally, it was going to be one of the heads, but they Uh. deemed that too gruesome for a children's Ah, movie. That would
2: have been amazing.
0: And I thought the head would make more sense. Yeah. Man,
2: that
0: would have been awesome. We can't have any decapitations in this, and I'm thinking, have you seen Ultraman? Man, Do you realize so how cool. gory Ultraman gets? And you don't want a Ghidorah head to get blown off? I'm a huh. little confused, Toho. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but that being said, it's a tail, and I think the implication is that the tail that gets severed gets buried, and I'm right? guessing it regrows into uh, Grand King Ghidorah. I- which is why history technically doesn't change. I guess. It's wonky and it's not really explained. It's more implied, <laughs> but sure. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Then. <laughs> but the, I also kind of snickered a little bit because there are points where it's a little obvious that Cretaceous Katoras is a suit because I'm thinking that definitely looks like a dude running. Yeah. He takes yeah. off and then he just tucks his feet up. So and to, they, you know, yeah. they have obviously have the suit on wires and then he's flying. And I'm like, yeah, don't make that more obvious. Just, yeah. yeah don't make it more obvious. <laughs> oh, well.
2: Oh, well. Like I said, this movie there does was, inch
0: into legitimately good territory, but it's not great. <laughs>
2: yeah. The, the special effects, there was like some really high points and then there were some really low points. Although the low points, in the CGI, we're still not as low <laughs> as what we had in the previous movie.
0: Yeah, they did all of that. And then we have the back to the future moment where yep. Cretaceous Ghidorah dies. And then Grand King Ghidorah's like, no, I want to <laughs> eat you now. Oh, and then he disappears as he tries to chomp down on him, which actually was a pretty effective scene, I thought. It was. I mean, it was, it was yeah, weird. yeah, it was cool. And then they're like, haha oh, we won. And then it's like, nope. Like. <laughs> <Psych. laughs> You forgot about the (laughs) tail. I grew back. (laughs) It's like a lizard only from the tail. Only from reverse. Yes. (laughs) Ha ha. You would think if I could do that, that I would be uh, nigh unstoppable, but yeah. Okay. And and it only took me 130 million years. Maybe that's the problem. It takes 130 million years for me to regrow. Only. Yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You have fun with that, Ghidorah. But I even wrote down on my notes. Ghidorah just got back to the future. But if Ghidorah never existed, how did the are the kids still there? I, have, I had so many questions. And then they actually yeah, I addressed know. it. I'm like, oh, good on you, movie. Wibbly
2: wobbly, timey wimey. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Although I gotta say, when we get to the end of the movie, there's one last kind of inexplicable thing. Mm-hmm. How does Ghidorah fly with only one wing? I don't know. I was going to ask you. Jimmy, you got any suggestions? Gravity manipulation.
2: Why didn't I think of that before? That actually makes sense. That's right. It's true. Ah, You can't ever get one over Jimmy, that's for sure.
0: You know what, Jimmy? I think you get the no prize this week. (laughs) What can I say except you're welcome? All right, moving on. (laughs) So with that, it brings us to the star of the movie. The star. Yeah, the star. The star
2: of every movie. The star that should only be making movies from here on out.
0: Well, he Mom. has been a popular attraction on Monster Island. If you want I mean, to see naturally. him, if you want to see him, let me know. He does get, hang out with it. He hangs out with his mother and things are very nice between the two of them. But we yes. have Mother Leo who, just like I told you in your first episode, has uh-huh. more transformations than there are Sailor Scouts. <laughs> and he has even more in this one. Yeah, uh, he went through, what, three? About three. three? Yeah. Uh, we have Armor Mothra. Four. At the end. We
2: have four? Yeah. Because he four? does the Silverfish.
0: I thought that was travel. Aqua Mothra.
2: Oh, you're right. I was
0: kind of thinking that was Aqua Mothra.
2: Aqua Mothra that looked flies a lot like through time. Yeah, that's amazing. Because so you're I right, guess right. it's
0: also time travel Mothra, mm-hmm. but
2: which that was a pretty cool. I just want to say that was a pretty cool CGI effect of the like everything going tunneling. You know, it was like yeah. tunneling, so that was pretty cool. I liked that. So just wanted to say that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so Aqua that can also travel through time. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Then we, we have.
0: Uh, well, we had the Rainbow Mothra from the previous oh, one. Yes, yeah. Which was kind of like default mode two.
2: Okay.
0: And then, oh, excuse me. Jimmy is sending me some stuff on my laptop here. Uh, okay. Uh, it was not Aqua Mothra. That was Lightspeed Mothra. Oh, okay. It's a little different. Good. It's a little different. Uh, it's I need, similar. I, it's similar, but it's more streamlined. All right. Well, Jimmy
2: do me a favor and send me everything that you possibly have that has anything to do with Mothra. Cause I need that.
0: He's getting on it right now. Excellent. Thank you so much. I gotta say Lightspeed Mothra looks like an X-Wing. <laughs> there you go. And then we had Armor Mothra at the Armor end. Armor
2: Mothra. Which, yep,
0: yep. Oh my gosh. That was a little preposterous. I thought. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, how's he going to get another power-up? He magically has Lightspeed Mothra with, uh-huh. with no explanation. It's just like, I can travel through time, and I'm Lightspeed speed. Sure. And then he gets his butt kicked. That's the interesting thing. I had mentioned before that I felt like Mothra Leo is just super powerful and just pwns everything. And then in this movie, oh, my gosh, he does it. He gets his butt yeah. kicked. Like, yeah. Grand King Ghidorah it's, makes him look like a up. chump. What and then... Up. Yeah.
2: Tearing part of his wings. Oh my goodness. I was crying. I was literally bawling my eyes out Mm -hmm. during those scenes.
0: Yes. And then they did the time travel thing and he gets his Mm -hmm. butt kicked for a while by Cretaceous Ghidorah, Mm -hmm. but he Mm -hmm. manages to win. Barely. Yeah. But he manages to win. And now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I know this is not the climax of the movie, even though like with the other ones, the, the middle fight feels like a bit of a climax. Right. And so I'm like, well, how does he get the other power up? Because, again, I haven't seen this movie in forever. And then out of nowhere, we have a Cretaceous Mothra larva that shows I, up. And a couple of them, I think, actually. Three. Three. Yeah, three. Okay, there you go. Of course you counted. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. And they cocoon him. Yep.
1: And I'm like, I like well, that's the, uh... different.
0: I've never seen an adult Mothra get cocooned. <laughs> I, and then I, somehow... Nobody finds this cocoon for 130 million years. Nope. I'd like to know how that works. <laughs> That's asking some time travel questions there. A lot of interesting ones. And then uh-huh. he pops out and he's like, ha ha! I have another power up! Only took me 130 million years! And I have <laughs> a power 130- up, Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! <laughs> <laughs> I am over And Just you. And time. Yeah. And yeah. to quote Ijago. From Bleach, I'm not allowed to be Uh heard anymore. And then he just goes right after Grand King Ghidorah and mops the floor with him. But the thing is, is I felt like this was earned. It's not one of those times where it's like the hero is super powerful and he just pones everything, kind of like the previous movie. This felt earned. It was like this was the cathartic experience we wanted. Yeah, for sure. You earned this, Leo. This mm-hmm. technically means you might be the oldest version of Mothra ever now <laughs> yep. cuz you pulled a Rip Van Winkle like no other. Yeah. Congratulations.
2: <laughs> you you were born in 1996, but then you went back in time 130 million years and then you slept for 130 million years. I don't even know yeah. how old does that make them?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, I'm not even going to try.
2: I don't know. Yeah. But I, I just, I like to say that the uh, larva, the Mothra larva, I was a bit surprised to see prehistoric worm turds. <laughs> uh, did not know that those were going to appear, but I'm super glad that they did because, you know, we can't have Mothra dying without being reborn again.
0: <laughs> it's kind of Mothra's thing. Doesn't matter I know. which version it is.
2: You got to have the rebirth of Mothra.
0: Three, uh huh. Actually, now yeah. that I think about, I guess there has been some form of rebirth in every single one of these movies, hasn't there?
2: Yeah, even two yeah.
0: kind of had one.
2: Kind.
0: Thank yeah. you. Thanks to Go Go Boots.
2: I can't believe yeah. I'm
0: referencing that thing again. Moving on. But then, even after that, we had another one, and this is probably mm-hmm. one that I'm sure you have liked quite a bit. Oh man. The final one. He morphed again. I guess this is another default mode. This is the one he's using on the island currently.
2: He shed his armor.
0: Yes. And this one is termed Eternal Mothra.
2: Oh, perfect. Just like Eternal Sailor Moon. Yes. (laughs) The final
0: form. (laughs) So he can't be freezing anymore? This isn't even my final form. (laughs) <laughs>
2: excellent that is so amazing yep. there
0: you go unfortunately and this is a long standing problem the dubs and subtitles can't figure out what are the proper pronouns to use for Mothra Aww. and Mothra Leo oh, no. because in this one they kept calling Mothra Leo a she when he's supposed to be a he but then yeah. again in the original movies Mothra is supposed to be a she and they kept calling her a he hmm. <sighs> I don't understand why people are so confused about this.
2: Hmm, I don't know.
0: But and I then know. I, I have down here on my notes. Oh man, okay. Mothra Leo gets down and dirty because he claws oh. at prehistoric oh, yeah. Ghidorah's face. I'm just like, oh man, gloves are off. Oh yeah, gloves are off. Mothra Leo's like, screw you.
2: There was some <laughs> blood. Yeah, yeah, there was some blood
0: there. Yeah. Oh, so we can have Mothra Leo clawing at Ghidorah's face, but no decapitations. Gotcha, no. Toho. Yeah. And the, my next note from Mothra Leo is the, he plays chicken with Grand King oh, Ghidorah, yeah. and it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Because he doesn't even flinch and he just, pff, just goes yep. right into King Ghidorah's chest and just yep. pushes him back. It's just yep. right in midair. And he's like, pff, no. <laughs> yep. Ghidorah's like, I gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. And then he's just like, pff, No. <laughs> Yep. And then... <laughs> he does it again. Yeah. And then we get to the end, and uh-huh. I, I, this is literally my uh, me kind of transcribing my thoughts when we got to the end with Ghidorah after Mothurlio does all this stuff with him, armor Martha Leo. I said, boom! Because I was expecting him to explode, <gasps> and he doesn't. And I said, no. boom. I said, so I go, boom! Boom? Hate... Boom?
3: Yeah.
0: Boom! Not, and then he actually nope. explodes.
2: Yeah, there's like a delay. And it
0: exploded so much I bumped my microphone. Sorry, folks. <laughs> yep.
2: There you go again.
0: <laughs> anyway. Hey, I can
2: understand your excitement. I'm just yeah. saying. I, so I totally get it. So
0: it's kind of like, I, I wrote down, it's, it's kind of like Power Rangers or a samurai movie, you know, where the heroes run by and they hit each other. And in Power mm-hmm. Rangers, the they would just do a little pose and then the monster would explode behind them. Or if it's a yeah, samurai that, movie, they would charge at each other with their yep. swords and then yep. one of the samurai would well, sheathe his sword, and then the other guy yep. would fall over. Yep. So, yeah.
2: Very was, classic.
0: Yeah, very great. classic Japanese cinema. Yeah. But that's all I've got, and so I will I will cede uh, the floor to you, because I can tell you are about to burst at the seams, and I'm yeah. a little scared, so go.
2: I just absolutely adore this movie. I adore everything about this trilogy and
0: I have something,
2: even two, you know why, you know why, Why? because it has has Mothra in it.
0: Of course.
2: Yes. (sighs) So I love Mothra so much. And as you know, I have converted to Mothrianity. Yes. I have the song memorized. Of course you do. Yes. Yes. And I shall now sing it for you.
0: What? Sing? Um, okay.
2: Mosura, ya, Mosura Donggan kasakuyan Indomu Rusto urando Hanba hanba muyan Randa banung radan Tonju hanra Kasakuyan
3: Mosura, ya.
0: Uh, hey, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Jimmy Jimmy has something to say here. Wait. Oh. 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 Okay. Oh. Um, that's Reverend Mifune. Uh, Jimmy's telling me he's here and he, he needs to oh. talk with you. I've been wanting to meet him. Yeah, i never seen him come to the studio, let alone during a oh. broadcast. But uh, Jimmy's telling me that this is really important. So, um... We'll be back after these messages? This July, coming from the depths of the internet, is the
2: fiercest only fun KaijuCon Line 2020. From July 11th through the 12th, content creators, fans, artists,
1: and more will gather together to celebrate the wonderful world of the giant monsters that inhabit the kaiju genre. Check out the Facebook event,
3: Line 2020, or our website, KaijuConLine.com, for upcoming details and listings for this
0: online monster convention. We hope to see you all there. So, Bex, how did that chat with Reverend Mafune go?
2: Well, um, I am so, so embarrassed and so ashamed. Reverend Mifune had to bring me back to my senses. You know, the last episode when I professed my new faith in Mothrianity, he Uh heard that. Yeah, he listens to all the
0: episodes. Yeah. yeah,
2: okay, well good. I'm glad he heard that because uh yeah, he uh he definitely did me right. He talked to the Elias sisters and between them they determined that Belvira was up to her old tricks.
0: Was she? So
2: yeah, so that you know I little No she couldn't be thing. trusted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she hatched a little scheme and well, obviously you've heard the fruit of that.
0: So <laughs> Yes. So I take it. Just, I had theorized this because Mothrianity didn't sound exactly like the beliefs of the infant islanders. Mm, mm. So See I, had no I was idea. like, where the so, heck yeah. did this come from? Because I yeah. thought I would have heard about this.
2: Well, I'm really glad that he talked to me because he reminded me of the passage in Ephesians 4 that says, that we be no more like children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, or in this case, Belvira, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So I'm back now, and he he graciously reminded me that as Christians, we must discipline our hearts and minds with the word of God. Yeah, I'm sure Belvira got a good laugh out of all this.
0: I'm sure she did. Yeah. And I have I knowing her sisters, I think they're going to have a long talk. <laughs> they're so probably remember. gonna feel like I did, where it's just like, What are you doing? I thought you, yeah. I thought you were done doing that. Yeah. I so mean you still remember. had an inexplic you still had an inexplicable face turn, but still.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, we know why now.
0: Yeah. Apparently to <laughs> how, lull people into a false sense of security around her.
2: Yeah, yes.
0: But you know.
2: So remember, kids, Mothra is cool and all, but Jesus is better.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's a relief. I was can't begin to tell you how concerned I've been for you the last month since you came last. I uh, sure, quite a shock. Sure. It was quite a shock. Yeah,
2: Tim's been really concerned too. So well, I mean, you, you know, were 12, me centimeters twelve centimeters tall. Yeah, I've had had an interesting couple weeks that's for sure yeah. and i i may i may have gone on a uh, buying spree for um moth mothra paraphernalia so um oh. i might
0: have to uh, okay. you found yeah. that uh, fairy plushie finally yeah that yeah was that the, Many, you know, it was life-size so you could actually sit on it
2: yes it was great i loved it by the way
0: i loved it it looks like a big fluffy pillow when you're 12 centimeters tall so mm-hmm. that must have been nice mm-hmm. and comfy
2: it was great. Yeah. It was great. Just saying. But, you know, I'm glad to be back now. Glad okay. To back. back to your old self.
0: The. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, the. Don't worry. Uh, I've been reassured on many occasions. God is gracious. So everything will be fine. Everything will be fine. Yep. Be fine. yep. yep. All right.
2: Yep. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Mifune, for setting me straight. Yeah.
0: You are the man, Reverend. You are the man. I need to have you on the show sometime. Mm hmm. Now we can move on to a proper Toku topic. Yay! Or in this case, two I mean, no, of them.
2: don't yay this. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's a little bit sad. We we've come off. Yeah, we're, we're going to a couple of kind of sad topics after having such a high there, on yeah. talking about this movie because yeah, it's better than it probably has any right to be.
2: Right, and like we said earlier, this actually has meat to it. There's a message. Some of it looks in like this a bubble. Movie. Exactly. I mean, bubble. (laughs) So, yeah, there's actually something to chew on with this show. There's an actual message behind it. A couple Um, of them, I think. mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: But I'm going to let you spearhead the first one, which is the, again, make sure I'm saying this right, the Hikikimori? Yes. Okay.
2: So, when I first watched the movie, I was like, oh, Shoda's a neat.
0: Which, what does that stand for again? neat um, N-E-E-T. Yep, I'm talk,
2: correct yes yeah. so i'm going to talk a little bit about that because there is the neat and hikikomori they kind of overlap but they're distinct in their own ways so i'll talk and talk about neat at first um, which means not in education employment or training n-e-e-t so the term originated in the united kingdom around 1999 And it has spread to other countries, including Japan, Taiwan, China, South Korea, Canada, and the U.S. The equivalent in the West, because NEAT is still unfamiliar, mostly in the West. So the term we would use would be unemployed. And just as a reminder, those who are receiving schooling or training are not considered unemployed. So this is somebody who, again, is not. Yeah, so, so remember when so I was when in
0: fil- college and I didn't, uh, during those times when I was in college and I didn't mm-hmm. have, you know, my on-campus job or an off-campus you job, be, I was
3: you
2: considered,
0: would be considered employed even though I was not making money as a student.
2: You would be considered in full, uh, full-time student, so you would not fall under this classification.
0: Interesting.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, according to a 2015 article uh, by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, or the OECD, there are roughly 39 million meats in 33 of the world's advanced industrial countries.
0: Interesting.
2: Yep, yep. So, in the UK, the classification consists of those aged between 16 and 24. The term became widespread after it's use in a 1999 report by the Social Exclusion Unit, which was set up by the Labor Party in 1997 to provide advice and policy analysis in an effort against social exclusion. So they already started recognizing this as an issue. Um, And up to this point, the term status zero was used, but NEAT was soon adopted for this subgroup of people, given the negative connotations of the term status zero. A BBC news report done by Simon Cox in 2006 said the word is the latest buzzword for teenage dropouts. And he says that neat are 20 times more likely to commit a crime and 22 times more likely to become a teenage mom. So, you know, females. Yeah. A 2007 report by the Prince's Trust. um, (laughs) The Princess Trust? Yeah, the Prince's Trust. The Prince Prince, Apostrophe X.
3: Oh, okay. Like like the Princess Trust?
2: Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, No, that's okay. The Princess Trust, a charity which is set up to help vulnerable young people get their lives back on track. This report stated that almost a fifth of people aged 16 to 24 in England, Scotland, and Wales are neat. That's a lot of people.
3: Yeah.
2: In his book titled Understanding Race and Crime, Colin Webster claimed neat commit disproportionately large amounts of crime and children with high levels of truancy and exclusion at school are likely to become neat. So now we're transitioning to Japan because that was all like UK.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? <clears throat> yeah.
0: And I want to reiterate I should have mentioned this when mm-hmm. we started that we're bringing this up because of Shoda. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Yes, thank you for that reminder. That's what first came to mind when I was watching this was that Shoda was a neat In Japan, the classification consists of 15 to 34-year-olds, so we have a wider swath of people. Around 2004-2005, before the term was widely accepted, non-employed young people were framed as lazy, work-shy, and voluntarily out of employment. Many NEETs are supported by their parents or relatives. Some of the reports are conflicting um, as far as how many NEETs there are in Japan, like one 2,000 report said there was upward of 480,000, another claimed 850,000. But depending on the definition and the parameters, there's kind of not a hard number of neets that I could find, at least in Japan.
0: Jimmy is wondering why you're saying neats, not hikikimori.
2: I will tell you. I was actually just getting to that, Jimmy. While the term meat originated in the West and circulated around the globe, hikikomori, which translates to pulling inward or social withdrawal, originated in Japan. And the term was first coined by psychiatrist Tamaki Saito in 1998. All right. So this kind of was like right with the movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so hikikomori is best defined by six traits. One most of the day, nearly every day is spent at home. Two, persistent avoidance of social situations. Three, persistent avoidance of social relationships. Four, experienced distress or impairment in an individual's normal routine. Five, duration of at least six months and six not better explained by another psychiatric disorder, such as a social phobia, major depression, schizophrenia, or avoidant personality disorder. So with all those things in mind, think Shota. All yeah.
0: right. Now I do think Shota has some depression. We we talked about that, but I Correct. kind mm-hmm. of think that the, maybe the depression is a byproduct of this.
2: Well, I'll kind of explore a little bit of that here. So if you want to simplify the differences between NEET and Hikikimori, NEET will still have a social life but no job, where Hikikimori will have no social life but can be employed. So, instances of Hikikimori, there's a lot of information out there about it. Most, or not, I shouldn't say most of them, but some of them will work from home through the computer. Oh, they have the computer. I so, guess
0: the last couple of months have been paradise for them. <laughs>
2: exactly there's actually i didn't watch it but there's some there's like an article about the COVID 19 and uh the hikikimori so very interesting stuff to explore here all right let me uh kind of talk about what you mentioned the depression that shoda was possibly displaying yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so Saito's initial estimate number of individuals in the state of hikikimori so if you remember back in 1998 was to be about 1 million This number has been proliferated in various media outlets, so it was kind of like thought that everybody, like there there was a lot of people that are hitikimori. In 2002, one team found 14 cases amongst a sample of 1,646 people in Okinawa, extrapolating to about 410,000 cases in the entire country. So the 1 million had no empirical basis. We have a little bit of a sampling here in, in Okinawa in 2002 which could possibly make that number to be around 410,000 cases. In 2008, another study used statistics on labor market participation to estimate that the number of hikikimori is actually less, about 200,000 cases nationally. One other study that has been widely accepted among the scientific community as of 2010 estimates there to be 232,000. So still a lot of people, um, but as you can see, there's kind of this... We really don't know what hikikomori is. There's this exploration of what it is and what causes it and how do you even define it. In 2012, a study was conducted among 124 mental health professionals from eight countries around the world were surveyed asking if they had ever seen a described case. Nearly all of them stated that they have seen or heard of someone in their own country who matches the description. So we're kind of seeing it... Develop in other countries too, or at least the mental health professionals kind of in other countries starting to explore the hikikimori phenomenon. Because social withdrawal is a symptom for many psychiatric concerns, including anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, psychotic disorders, personality disorders, and pervasive developmental disorders, this means that the entire syndrome of hikikimori could potentially be explained by already well-established and well-researched psychiatric conditions. Is it a thing? Is it not a thing? Is it a, <laughs> you know, there's this give and take. Is it, is it actually its own thing or is it just a outworking of something else?
3: Hmm.
2: Got a few more things here. Japan is very slow on the pickup when it comes to mental health because of the social yeah. stigma and shame involved in seeking counseling. Most who suffer from depression, PTSD, and other various mental illness, illnesses.
0: Yeah, no, Jimmy knows they, about that. He's yeah. had a serious case of PTSD from the war in space.
2: Yeah. So while healthcare professionals are unclear as to the cause and proper diagnosis of hikikimori, it is a growing phenomenon that is gaining worldwide attention. The upper age of the subgroup is also moving higher, since most hikikimori do not recover and only grow older. Mm -hmm. It is also unclear how many women hikikimori there are, since the role of yeah, since the role of housewife or homemaker is a social normative. Ah. In May of 2019, a 51-year-old man went on a stabbing spree, killing two people and injuring 18 others before committing suicide.
0: I heard about this.
2: Yeah, and it was unfortunately children. Investigations claim he was hikikimori, which brought the phenomenon once again to the forefront of world news agencies. In June of that same year, a former vice minister of Japan farm industry murdered his 44-year-old reclusive son, claiming he feared his violent outbursts and that he would soon turn his attention to the nearby elementary school.
0: And keep in mind, I mean, this is shocking even by Western standards, but violent crime like this is incredibly rare in Japan. So it's even more shocking. Yep.
2: So the 76-year-old former political man, (laughs) political diplomat, whatever you want to call him, Murdered of his 44-year-old son, who was Hikikimori, because he claimed that his son was getting annoyed and irritated by hearing the elementary kids in the school nearby. And since the incident in May, in the month before, he decided he was going to kill his son. Oh my this is crazy. I so the... I think that's a good good place for you to transition into your,
0: yeah, the... into your top Which topic. Which is connected to the film because it largely takes place here the subtitle is called Aoki Forest but the proper way to say it and next time I watch the movie I'm going to pay attention to see if this is actually how they say it in the Japanese but it's Aoki Gahara it's a forest over by Mount Fuji it's also called Jukai which means the sea of trees and it's on the northwestern flank of Mount Fuji like I mentioned and it's about 30 square kilometers or 12 square miles. The soil for it actually is hardened lava, which isn't surprising because what a lot of people don't realize is Mount Fuji is a volcano, yep. but it hasn't erupted for several hundred years. So actually it says right here in my, uh, in my notes, the last major eruption from Mount Fuji was in 864 AD. So it's been oh, a wow. long time. Yeah. But the reason that we bring it up is and this has actually been used in a Godzilla film as well in GMK mm. it's commonly called the suicide forest mm. people go here to die and because of that the forest has some other distinctions some other beliefs around it you could almost call it folklore mm. it's also believed to be haunted and i think as we get into this you'll see that the the two are of connected yeah. Now, there are some more down-to-earth explanations for some of the things that go along with this. The, the forest is incredibly dense. It's easy to get lost in there. In fact, a lot of hikers have been known to use plastic tape to mark the paths that they take so they can get back, kind of like leaving breadcrumbs. Right. Because the forest is incredibly dense, there's almost no wildlife there. I think I mentioned that earlier in our discussion, so it's very quiet. But there's also some caves in there that are very popular tourist attractions. You have Narasawa Ice Cave and the Fugaku mm. Wind Cave and the Lakeside Bat Cave, which nice. I'm guessing has Japanese Batman, Manga Batman, Bat- manga. I should ask the, the guys over at Batman Meets Godzilla about that. Right. Which are lava caves created by eruptions from Mount Fuji. And the, the Ice Cave is frozen all year round. So hmm. there's some things hmm. that people go to see there that have nothing to do with suicide. Right. It's also again, connected to the, the strange things that happen there. It's been falsely portrayed as a place where compasses go nuts. They don't work. But the thing is, is because the needles on magnetic compasses, when you put them directly onto the lava, it messes with their alignment uh. because the rocks are magnetic. So they go haywire, but if you pick it up, it's fine. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Anti-gravity. Yes. The opposite of King Ghidorah. <laughs> and interestingly, the Japanese Ground Self-Defense Forces have been training their rangers out there since 1956. Interesting. Oh, fact, which okay. makes sense. But as I said, it holds the distinction of being, according to my research, the most popular spot for suicide in Japan. And it's a tragic thing because and maybe I am speaking out of turn as the dirty, dirty American, (laughs) but Japan has a long history of cultural acceptance of suicide. Yep. It kind of goes back to the warrior culture of the samurai, because they would prefer death to dishonor. So if you've heard terms like harakiri or seppuku, Mm -hmm. that's considered honorable suicide.
2: And it's romanticized,
0: In a lot of ways, yes, it is. In 2003 alone, there were 101 bodies found in the forest. Because that's the problem. People go in there, and they commit suicide, and then nobody finds them. Mm. Until they go looking. In the previous year, there were 78. And then, this is just tragic to me. In 2010, Japanese police stopped recording how many people were out there. Oh, wow. Because in that year... While they were keeping track, they had over 200 people who attempted suicide in the forest, and 56 of them completed it.
3: Jeez.
0: Here's an interesting thing, and I saw this in several of my sources. Suicide spike in March, because it's the Mm. end of the fiscal year in Japan. From what my sources were saying, it's because with it being the end of the fiscal year, a lot of Japanese employees are... I'm guessing seeing what their evaluations are and seeing if they accomplish their goals or not, or maybe there's a lot of pressure to meet deadlines and meet certain Mm. goals within the company, You a certain amount of money and everything. And if they're not making it, there's a lot of shame that's put on that and they can't handle it. So all of the societal and professional pressures are just too much for them, which is kind of funny because I had... This bizarre image in my head, probably because this is what happened in GMK, because there's a scene, and it's played for laughs, because there's a scene where, in GMK, there's a guy who tries to hang himself, and his attempt Mm. at hanging himself is humorously foiled, because Ghidorah wakes up underground. Uh And then he falls down into Ghidorah's cave and comes face to face with Ghidorah. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And he runs away. (laughs)
2: He's like, I don't want to die
0: after all. Suddenly, I'm too scared to die. So it's played for laughs. It's a little bit. It's kind of It's like a biting satire, which is very interesting. But as of 2011, the most common means of suicide. Oh, it was hanging. Oh, I misread that. I thought, you know, it's hanging or it's drug overdose. I thought it was just drug overdose. And the police and local officials have stopped publicizing the numbers of suicides because they're trying to decrease the forest's association with suicide. When you talk about it enough, they think it makes people interested in actually doing it. Mm. There, and a lot of people think that the modern fascination with it goes back to a novel called Tower of Waves, mm. which was published in 1961 by an author named Seicho Matsumoto. It was about a young couple, and they end up committing suicide at the end of it, and they thought because it was romanticized, it's made people interested in doing it themselves. But the Hmm. thing is, is the forest association with suicide predates even that, because there was apparently a practice called Uba Sute, which involved taking the elders out into the forest and just leaving them there. And then because of all of this stuff, with all the suicides, and because of how strange the forest topography is. Like, it's so dense, it could be high noon and you would have hardly any light coming through. Wow. It's that dense. I don't know if you saw, because I sent you a link and said, here, take a look at this. The root system for a lot of these trees is kind of terrifying because it's so dense. There are some trees that because the roots are still above ground, it looks like they are walking on tentacles. Wow. It is bizarre and terrifying and mesmerizing all at the same time. It's great. Huh. Cra- it's crazy. But because of that, the forest is purported to be haunted by what are called yure, which are it's ghosts. A- now, yure, they're ghosts, but they're different than how a lot of Westerners would perceive ghosts, how they understand ghosts. It's Popularly believed in Japan that if a person dies with a deep sense of hatred, anger, sadness, lust for revenge, that soul can't leave this world and continue into the next and instead ends up wandering the forest. Okay. It wouldn't surprise me, Bex, if you've probably heard about the yorei because they're very popular in modern Japanese culture. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: I I can't say I'm familiar with the term, but the concept I've definitely run across. So now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, yeah.
0: So for a lot of Westerners, particularly if they've seen a lot of horror movies, Mm -hmm. unlike the ghosts and those, Yurei are not looking for something specific in order to rest in peace. They don't really want anything in particular. Mm. They just want to have the curse that's been put upon them to be lifted, or to have okay. their conflicts resolved. But you want to know something that's a little bit freaky? The superstitions centered around the Yore are actually pretty potent. I found out that there are people who go around the forest. And apparently, this is, an, this is an annual thing. They go mm. through the forest looking for bodies. And they have what are called forest guardians. And if they find a dead body, they take it to a special room. And then they place the body on a bed. And then... They have one of the guards sleep in the room with the body. Wow. And the reason they do that is because it said that if the corpse is left alone in the room, the yore will move all night around them screaming in derangement. Wow. So the guards play rock, paper, scissors, which in Japanese, I found out, is called janken. Okay. To decide who's the unlucky guy who has to stay in the room with the body.
2: How do you choose that job?
0: Yeah. Hmm. They are so afraid of these fallen souls that they would prefer to sleep near the body than risk disturbing the Yore. Wow. That's how deep the belief goes surrounding this thing. Hmm. Now, a lot of the stuff with this forest actually got brought into the world consciousness a few years ago. And maybe you remember this, Bex. Logan, Paul. Yeah.
2: (sighs) An idiot.
0: That was making headlines back when I was on my previous podcast. And we had to decide if it was something we were going to bother talking about. And we didn't. Because we didn't want to give uh, this guy any publicity. Nope. But this punk filmed a video. He's a YouTuber. Filmed a video where he claimed he found a body hanging in a tree in the forest. Now, it was Mm -hmm. fake. But he was presenting it as if it was true. Yeah, Talk about poor taste. Mm -hmm. All kinds of backlash. It was called tone deaf, particularly when it came to the subject of suicide and mental health in a country where, as you pointed out, suicide rates are higher in Japan than they are in the developed world. It's terrible. Yeah. And because it's such a common place where suicides are committed, they actually have signs in both Japanese and English, Mm. erected, urging people to not do it.
2: To rethink.
0: Yeah, it says, (laughs) I got a couple of them written down, I quote, Quietly think once more about your parents, siblings, or children. Mm. Please don't suffer alone and first reach out. There was a Japanese psychiatrist who interviewed some people who survived their suicide attempts out in this forest and they asked why they did it. And they said the key reason was because they believed that they would be able to die successfully without being noticed. Wow. They also, interestingly, they thought they wouldn't be noticed, but because it's haunted, they also thought that they wouldn't die alone, that there would be these Mm. other souls out there in the forest. And another thing that they've done to try to curb this is they have put up security cameras to make sure people don't go in there and try it. So they're making a little bit more effort to try to curtail this, which I think is good.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And they've also, the local government has tried some other methods to try to curtail it because the, so they've raised the height of bridge rails. And they've trained volunteers to talk to potentially suicidal visitors. They've increased hmm. police patrols at the entrances. And they have actively discouraged movies and TV shows that might promote the forest's reputation as a place to kill yourself. Hmm. Which is interesting because I discovered that in the last couple of years, there have actually been a pair of American movies made that centered around the forest. One was called Sea of Trees. It was an independent drama and had some pretty big stars in it. I'm surprised I didn't hear about it. It had Naomi Watts, Connection because she was in (laughs) King Kong 2005. (laughs) She was Andero. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. And Ken Watanabe. Last Samurai, godzilla movies, all kinds of cool stuff. Batman begins. And, you know, that was a little drama about a couple whose marriage is on the rocks. And then the husband goes off into the forest, from what I saw in the trailer. I guess the implication is he's going to kill himself. And he meets Ken Watanabe out there. And Ken Watanabe is trying to tell him not to do it. And then there was a horror movie, of course, from around the same time. It was just called The Forest that is about a young woman who has a twin sister who went off into the forest and disappeared, so she goes off trying to find her. And then scary things happen because... Of course. It's... Because horror. Yeah, (laughs) Gahara. Because, you know, it's haunted. Yeah. So it was playing up on both the suicide and the haunted aspect of The Forest. Haven't seen either one of those movies yet? Probably just going to watch Sea of Trees. That was the more interesting of the two, personally.
2: Yeah, that sounds more interesting, for sure.
0: Yeah. But Japan has a very high rate of suicide rates. It's ranked 26th globally in age-adjusted suicide rates in 2015. That's from the HWO. That year, overall, there were 15.4 suicides per 100,000 population, and that breaks Hmm. down to 9.2 for women and 21.7 for men Wow, And just to put that into perspective, it's 12.6 in the United States, 7.4 in the United Kingdom, and 5.4 in Italy. Wow. But it's 16.1 in Belgium and 24.1 in South Korea. (sighs) A lot of people think that this increase in suicide rates has come about in Japan because of the economic crisis that struck them in the 1990s. You may have remember that from when I was on Kaiju Vision talking about the asset bubble bursting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it put Japan into a recession, and they've never really fully recovered from it.
2: Yeah.
0: Interestingly, and this goes back at least, I think, a little bit to some of the stuff you were talking about, Bex. The average age of someone who commits suicide in the forest Mm -hmm. is 40 to 50 years, and they're usually men.
2: Mm. I didn't put this in my notes, but it came up in my research. I couldn't find a lot of connection. like the main connection I found between Hikikimori and suicide was the incidents in May 2019, where the man went on the stabbing spree and then killed himself. Mm. Uh, but most Hikikimori actually die alone in their home, mm. because they've shut themselves off so completely, they literally could fall and just die. Right in the middle of their home, and nobody will know until there's a smell that oh. alerts the neighbors. Oh, yeah, jeez. So yeah, it's awful. It's awful. But yeah. sorry, I just wanted to that's throw that fine. out there that's because
0: fine. that's fine. I'm rummaging through my notes, making sure I've mm-hmm. you know I get to all the important stuff. But mm-hmm. here's an interesting thing: we've talked about how it's a really popular suicide spot in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's actually the second most common location to commit suicide in the entire world. Oh, wow. You may or may not be surprised to find out what the number one location is.
2: Uh, It's going to be a bridge. Um, Golden Gate Bridge.
0: You're right. Ah,
2: I mean, I'm not happy about it,
0: but. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's said that the locals who live near the forest Mm -hmm. can easily identify three types of visitors who go to the forest. Oh, I bet call them the trekkers the curious and those planning a one-way trip wow so it's hard to talk about it, really it is. is i mean it, it's one of those things i can rattle off all these facts yeah i can say all of these things i mean there's a lot that you could mine about this forest, which is why I think it's interesting that they have it as a setting. And I can't help but wonder if the filmmakers are trying to say something about that.
2: They have. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about what is being talked about in the very first line of the movie is, as long as you live, you shall have hope. And then we have Shota, who is suffering some sort of emotional mental distress and who's going into the forest very frequently. The movie makers, seems to me, they really had a miss- message to get across.
0: And I mean, it's interesting that it's this haunted forest that Ghidorah mm-hmm. chooses to have his dome, mm-hmm. we'll call it that. Mm-hmm. And he's looming over it. He's, I mean, he's a dragon, and dragons and he's, he's, are, especially in Western culture, it's a little less true in Eastern culture, but are yeah. associated with evil.
3: Yeah.
2: And he's literally wiping out the next generation.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was something I came across in Japan's Green Monsters, that he is uh-huh. taking away Japan's future hope. Yeah. So, like I said, it's a, a very appropriate place, I think. A strangely appropriate place. You yeah. Know, this mysterious setting goes with what's going on with Ghidorah, and then all the strange things that happen. Laura betraying her sisters. Maul almost dying. More or less yeah. dying. Yeah. I mean, it's not really suicide. It's a heroic death, but mm-hmm. you know, she dies. There's a lot of death going on in this. The children mm-hmm. were supposed to die there. Mm-hmm. All of these things. And even though they don't really touch on that, you get the impression. I kind of like to think that the parents in this don't want him going out to the forest. They actually tell him, don't go out to that forest. Yeah. I yep. think because they know where he is emotionally and they know what happens in that forest. Yeah. I agree. But obviously, this is a children's movie, and that's yeah. probably too heavy a subject to get into for and a children's the, movie.
2: And the one lines that they deliver are simple, yet profound.
0: Yeah. So, again, there's a strange amount of substance to this.
2: Mm-hmm, and I, mm-hmm. I,
0: it's it shocks me, looking into this. I know that had to be on the filmmakers' minds when yeah, they were doing yeah. this. I know... Your little gospel connection has to go along with that from what you were telling me.
2: Would you like me to go into that yes, now? Yes, please do. Okay. So immediately, like I said earlier, I, I latched on to the as long as you live you shall have hope. And when I mentioned that the last scene when the family comes together, that that really moved me. That's really true. I like teared up at that because it was so impactful because of the weightiness i could tell the weightiness of what was being dealt with in this movie
0: which um, i have to say is an overall huge improvement over the second one you really oh man. the entire time you really do feel the gravity of what's going on
2: yeah for sure so like we said earlier the movie makers you know were addressing some really hard issues like suicide and social withdrawal it certainly is evident in the opening line So the idea of hope is abstract, and it's defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. And hope and faith are commonly used synonymously. So coming at it from a Christian perspective, the Christian definition is found typically when, you know, if anybody knows any of their Bible, they're typically going to know this verse. It's Hebrews 11, verse 1, which says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That
0: was actually and one of the first Bible verses I memorized as a teenager. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like I said, if you've spent any time in Sunday school or whatever, you're probably familiar with that verse. Now this verse opens the chapter often referred to as the Great Hall of Faith, which talks about Moses and Abraham mm-hmm. and Sarah. I mean all these Reverend has actually
0: been going over this chapter the last couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, his yeah.
2: So these men and women suffered persecution, witnessed miracles, obeyed the commands of God in the midst of severe trials, all for the promise which God himself made. That promise was Jesus. So here they are having a faith and a hope for something that God promised. And that promise was Jesus, the son of God, the perfect sacrifice, sinless and obedient, enduring the shame of the cross dying the death that we deserve, taking upon himself the sins of his people and bestowing upon them his righteousness. He rose again and proved himself to be the promised Messiah so that at the end of days, any who put their faith in the risen Savior will stand before God robed in the righteousness of Jesus, who is the author and finisher of that faith. Without the Christian worldview and the knowledge of the faith that comes from God, Hope is more characterized as wishful thinking. A hope that has no guarantee of actualization is a hope that is futile. The Christian can have hope because they hope in the promise keeper, not only hope for our eternal destination, but hope in that God will work all things for good in spite of mental illness, tragic death, and heinous crimes. God has a purpose, and he will fulfill it, and it will be good. The greatest crime was the cross. The greatest good was the cross. Repent and believe this gospel of Jesus and have hope.
0: Talk true about a, hope. Talk about irony. I'm just saying. Yeah.
2: Have hope, which is true hope for as long as you live. Wow. And that's my gospel mm-hmm. connection there for you.
0: I love it. But before we close out, I don't know how well this connects, but mm-hmm. I told you when we finished the movie, that we have to talk about this at least for a minute. Sure. I can't believe that one of the most profound things I have heard in a kaiju movie since I started this show is from, of all things, Rebirth of Mothra 3. (laughs) Still can't believe it. And what's even nuttier is that this is from the (laughs) dub titles. Yeah. So somehow those goofballs in Hong Kong did something right. I don't know yep. how. It's a rare time that they do. There's a scene in the movie where Belle Vera and Laura are flying back to the dome. Mm-hmm. And Keep in mind, we've talked about this. Laura is the Elias of love. She's incredibly kind. Yep. They even say at one point in the movie that she loves the innocence of children.
2: Right, and that's what Shota uses to bring her out of her hypnotism. Yeah.
0: Kinda of like you with Reverend Mafune earlier.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what he said. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then, again, of all people, Belvira, she had one of her moments, she messed with you, but she had this tremendous moment in yep. this movie. And I have the whole thing written out. She says to Laura, Sometimes kindness isn't enough. You must find the reason for hate and anger. Once you understand that, kindness will become even more powerful. Yeah. More than courage or wisdom.
2: That's crazy. Crazy br- good, man. It
0: is. I bring it up because I'm going to get a little serious here for a 2nd Mm-hmm. I may be all the way out here on Monster Island, but I am not ignorant about the condition of the world, particularly my home country the of America. I've not been one to talk about what's going on because I don't feel like this podcast is the best place to do that. Now I have a fellow podcaster who disagrees with that and wants to use his platform as a podcaster to talk about it. And that's his prerogative. And I understand why he wants to do it. I have chosen not to, because I just don't think this is the place for it. Sure. But when I saw this, I was blown away. This is a message for our times, I think. Yeah. It is so incredibly profound. I mean, I could spend a whole podcast probably dissecting this. You must find the reason for hate and anger. Once you understand that, kindness will become even more powerful. I just... Mm-hmm. And even just started it off by saying kindness isn't enough. We, we all think that that's... All, it's like the Beatles told us, you know, all you need is love. Yeah. If you have no understanding why people are angry where their hate comes from love and kindness are empty platitudes mm. all the courage all the wisdom in the world means nothing but when you understand it i mean i look at it it's i feel like it's i feel like it's advocating empathy mm. and yeah i have my opinions about what's going on but in the end i don't think the opinions necessarily matter this is about people And Mm. we have to understand why people feel the way that they do. And if you understand why people feel the way that they do, I think you can better deal with the underlying issues. And I've seen far too much of people not taking that time Mm. on social media, especially.
3: Yeah.
0: And I've said this not on any of the podcast social media, but elsewhere, This needs to stop, and I think it can stop with empathy. Understand one another. (laughs) As corny as it sounds, we talked about Bill (laughs) and Ted a little earlier today. Be excellent to each other. I mean, it's... Right. But the kindness needs to come from a place that is very personal. You're understanding Mm -hmm. where people are coming from. It can't just be a blanket thing. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. It's, like I said, I could spend... A long time really, oh, for analy- sure. really analyzing that. But I hope, for those of you who are listening to this, if you get nothing else, well, gospel connection is the most important part. So if you get two things out of this episode, <laughs> well, walk away I, with that and walk away with this, please.
2: May I pose the uh, thought of, how to say this since I'm not prepared for it? You can't have true kindness, towards each other without the love of christ first indeed so there you go <laughs> yeah
0: heavy heavy subject heavy yeah subject. yeah I'm glad it we got heavy. through it though
2: <laughs> me too me too I and i glad. said this in a message to you and i'll say it now that this trilogy couldn't have ended with a better movie
0: no <laughs> I, mean, I mean it's, there, it's there could certainly have been it's certainly not perfect it still has a
2: no. A lot of the and, same
0: foibles as the previous movies, but
2: and the movie surprisingly been, good. The movie could have been better, but as it stands, it's a great ending to this trilogy.
0: And this is coming from the not Mothrian Bex, nope. right? <laughs> nope.
3: Nope. So,
2: that's, yeah,
0: That's good to know. I was a little concerned there for a while. <laughs> you know, I was just like, mm, no, I, I have a clear... She, uh, I think she likes this a little too much. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I have a clear head and a clear heart. Um, I have been recentered back to a love of Jesus. Um, so yes, as I said, Mothra is cool, but Jesus is better.
0: Yeah. Yes, Jimmy. I was just about to mention that. This is a good point for me to let you all know what our next episodes are going to be. Our next episode will be a mini analysis. We've been a little while since we've done that. I will be doing a mini-analysis on the 1963 Toho classic, Matango, which, honestly, is one of my favorite tokusatsu films. It is fantastic. It has the unfortunate U.S. title of Attack of the Mushroom People, which does it no favors. Makes it sound incredibly schlocky when it's as far from schlocky as you can possibly get. Although, on paper, it sounds kind of insane. It's a horror movie about mushrooms.
2: (laughs) All right.
0: But trust me, it is infinitely better than any summary could describe it.
2: I mean, I just watched three movies that had a giant moth and worm turds and meat bubbles and lightning and lasers. I mean. Oh, lightning and lasers. (laughs) How
0: could we forget about lightning and lasers? But yeah. But yeah. Japanese horror movie about mushrooms. Mushrooms. That was nice. one of the handful of movies I covered as part of an independent study in college for Yashiro Honda. So I'm looking forward to that. I found a lot of great research on that film. And I can't wait to share it with all of you listeners. Huh. But now that the summer of Mothra is over, we have to move into another trilogy of important kaiju movies. In this case, it will be Daimajin from 1966. Mm-hmm. The first of three movies that came out in the same year, I might add. 1966. Wow. That's about a statue that comes to life. It's a fantastic trilogy. And I will be joined by my friends. They've been on the show before, although it's been a hot minute since they've been on. Has not since episode two have they graced the studio here on Monster Island. My friends Joe and Joy Metter will be joining us for that one. Nice. And uh, they'll be doing like uh, doing what you did, Bex. So uh, they'll be coming for three movies in a row. So we'll be exciting. all
2: right. Well, I hope they have a better time than I did.
0: I thought you had a fantastic time here. I,
2: I did. I did. It was just full of ups and downs and bigs and smalls.
0: So yeah, such is life, <laughs> especially in 2020. Right. But I will mention, since we're on the subject of schedules, yes unfortunately Godzilla vs Kong has been delayed again Aww. and has mucked up my podcast schedule. <sighs> Jimmy and I have spent many a sleepless nights trying to figure out what to do. And we think we've got it figured out. Godzilla vs Kong has been delayed until May of 2021. Oh, wow. So we've shuffled some things around our last big, Film discussion episode will be in November. It'll be Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Then we'll have a pair of minisodes, probably with some guests, in December to close out this season. And then Godzilla King of the Monsters, which we were going to cover just before Godzilla vs. Kong came out, been pushed to our second episode in May of 2021. And then Godzilla vs. Kong will be our first episode of June 2021. I'll try to get the whole schedule posted online at some point so you'll be able to reference that. And we're still trying to figure out what to do for season two, but we'll keep you posted. So I just wanted to make sure I took care of that housekeeping item. Hi, we're inserting ourselves here really quick before the episode ends because I realized after the broadcast that for the third episode in a row, Bex, I neglected to let you do some shameless self-promotion for your show. I am sorry. (laughs) So go ahead and do that right now real quick.
2: All right, well, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Just search for Redeemed Otaku because there's none other. And we're on iTunes. And if you just, Look up Reading Otaku on any pod catcher. I'm sure we'll come up somewhere, some way, somehow.
0: You're on, and you're on YouTube as well.
2: Yeah, we're on YouTube. Um, I haven't posted anything lately, just some fun videos. Trying to do a couple different things with that. Um, if you'd like to watch us eat, we do a couple say, eating videos.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you and Tim.
3: <laughs> where
2: we... Where we try a couple different foods. So, like like um, what was
0: it? Funko cereals and things like that?
2: Yep, yep. We tried some Funko cereal. We've done sushi. We've done some Japanese fare that we picked up at, the, at a Japanese market. So yeah, check us out on YouTube if you're interested in just some weird ASMR stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, let's get back to what you were listening to. And then one more thing, this is very important, because I am a terrible host. I forgot to give shout-outs to our patrons last episode. Oh, So you're all getting a double portion. In fact, in one case, one of you is getting a triple portion because you started your contributions just before an episode went live, so I feel like I owe you. Hmm. So to Travis Alexander, host of Kaiju Weekly, thank you, thank you, EliZilla13, thank you, thank you. Danny Demana, thank you, thank you. And then to our newest patron, Joe Jira, thank you, thank you, thank you. There we go. I have. Nice. I have made my penance. <laughs> <laughs> I have made my penance. We can move on now.
2: <laughs> Very cool. All right. Congratulations, by the way.
0: Thank you. So, with all of that, I now have to thank you, Bex, for making all of these. I was calling them pilgrimages to the island. Mm. It's been much appreciated. It was a delight to have you on the show. You are more than welcome to come back.
2: Wow, thank you. I have greatly enjoyed my adventures. And thank you so much for introducing me to Mothra. I loved it. And I'm saying that, like I said, with clear heart, clear head. (laughs) But you have made me a fan of kaiju movies. So I look forward to exploring more.
0: Excellent. I'll send you a list with all of Mothra's movies. All right. But Excellent. The next thing though is we need to figure out how to get you home because don't really want to shrink you to send you back on Garu Garu. No, so no, I don't
2: want to do that. <laughs> what are we gonna do about as this? As much it was as much fun as it was, definitely want to go back home normal.
0: Yeah. So what are we gonna do about this, Jimmy? <laughs> Really, you want to do the teleporter again? Okay, fine, we'll do the teleporter, but we're going to test it before you send anybody through that again. (laughs) You know what? I volunteer as tribute. Send me through it, just to make sure that Bex will be okay, all right? So with that, cue credits. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nathan Marchand. If you enjoy the show and want to join the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at feedback at monsterislandfilmvault.com. Your message could be read on a future episode of the show. Our website is monsterislandfilmvault.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at monsterislandfilmvault. And on Twitter, where our handle is TheMonsterIsla1. You can also follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter at NASAJimmy. I have fulfilled my contractual obligations! The podcast logo was created by Tyler Souls from TylerDrawsComics.com. Our theme song is Wander on the Offensive, live edited by B33J, Sarax, Juan Madrano, and Nonsensical Lexus, which is a remix of Counterattack, Battle with the Colossus, and The Open Way, Battle with the Colossus by Ko Otani from the video game Shadow of the Colossus can be downloaded from ocremix.org. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and other fine podcasters. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to spread the word about the show. You can also support MIFV on Patreon. The Monster Island Film Vault is a Moonlighting Ninjas Media production. Sayonara! Are you sure you want to do this, Nathan? Yes. I always take care of my guests. Plus, my contract says I'll be fired if I lose one.
2: So, does that make you a hero or a guinea pig?
0: Yes. All right, Jimmy. Send me somewhere close by, like my apartment. Ready? Okay. Energize. (laughs) I've always wanted to say that.
2: I'll always remember my time being 12 centimeters tall, but boy, my cat. There were a few close calls, but thankfully Tim was there to rescue me. It wouldn't have been the first time Corvus sent me to the ER. See, what happened was...
0: That was one of the most interesting experiences I've had since coming to Monster Island. I wonder why the board hasn't patented this. It'd revolutionize, well, everything. Well, that's
2: cool, but I think I'm ready to go home now.
0: Be my guest, Bex. you the gozaimasu! The heck are you doing, Jimmy? You aren't doing this? Then... Hello, anime lovers!
2: <gasps> Nathan has a twin sister? And she's a magical girl?
0: Bex? I don't have a twin sister. Well, you do now. Not only a magical girl, but a princess. Hey, that's my crystal in your wand, Missy. Unhand me, brute! Who do you think you are? I don't know. This day just keeps getting weirder. Uh, Jimmy's motioning for you, Nathan. Got something on the computer? Let me see. Oh. What is it? Apparently, when I went through the teleporter with that crystal you gave me in my pocket, it somehow caused this female clone to come into existence.
2: What? Wow. This is like Ranma one-half, only less awkward.
0: So, I'm you? Tall, blonde, blue-eyed, and snarky? Yep. Though a heck of a lot prettier. Shut up, Jimmy. So, what's your name, princess? I... I don't have one. Well, if I'd been a girl, my parents would have named me Jessica. I like it.
3: Shine! (gasps) Crystal Lady Jessica!
2: This is amazing! You are amazing! Want to review a magical girl anime on my podcast, Redeemed Otaku?
0: I'd be delighted. But, uh, can we do it after I talk with that handsome red-headed guy first? Don't even think about it, Jimmy. Considering you just came into existence,
2: you're going to need some pointers. I know the perfect anime to watch, young Padawan. Really? Yes. We can have a slumber party, watch all 200 episodes, and then talk about it.
3: Squee!
0: Oh, come the frick on.
2: Yay! Jimmy, be must.
0: That away. Oh, there are two of me. God help the world. Jimmy, I think you might want to put the teleporter in storage.